Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline.ag here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. The NBA and college basketball seasons are back. Super Bowl week is here. And with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in on. Whether you're thinking of picking the Lakers to repeat as NBA champions or you're going to pick the Bucks to upset the Chiefs this week, you need to go to BetOnline.ag and place those bets we're giving out Super Bowl best bets later in this show. Benny will be here to do so, but be sure to stick around for that. And just a reminder, we finished the regular season against the spread, 63%. So we know what we're talking about. Stick around for those best bets later in the show. From game spreads to totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So at the betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Believe in New York Football podcast. This is actually one of the first episodes we taped a year ago to the day to start the Believe in New York Football podcast. That was an exciting show. We were right on the head with the Chiefs then. We had a Kyle use check bet. It was insane. And I plan on doing the same thing on this Super Bowl episode for you guys. It's going to be a super show. We have a ton going on. I'm your host, Steven Tino Rodriguez. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, the Believe website. Like, download, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter at NYFootballPod, as well as myself, at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. Like I said, this is going to be a super show for the Super Bowl. We have a nice little two for one. Actually, we have a three for one. We are going to start off the episode with Bill Campy and Pat DiMartino. They are back for the third straight week. We're going to have some fun with Super Bowl trivia. Shout out to Mike and the Mad Dog on that. We talk about the QB carousel around the NFL, which started this past week with the Matthew Stafford trade to L.A., and, of course, Jared Goff going to Detroit. And we'll also talk about what to expect in the big game this Sunday. Then, Benny Ricciardi from FTN Network and FTN Bets returns after his one-week hiatus to break down the Super Bowl, and we dish out our best bets for the big game. So let's get right into it. Here they are to kick us off, Bill Campy and Pat DiMartino. All right, so I have the great pleasure, as always now, this is three weeks in a row, boys. I'm happy you're here. Uh, We're all snowed in, so maybe we're not happy about that, but I'm happy you guys are back. It's a big week. We got Super Bowl week, and let's start with Pat on the intro here. Pat's all the way back. Pat's getting the show back in order. Is that correct, Pat? Did I hear you correctly off air? What are you talking about in terms of the draft uh, preview stuff? and Well, just your show itself on SoundCloud. Let the people know what you have going on. We can finally plug it. You're ready to go. It's true. Coach's Corner has made a bit of a comeback. I have a few weeks in a row in the books. 
looking to do a, a big time Super Bowl preview episode tomorrow night, probably drop on Thursday. Uh, then we turn our focus on the draft. I'm going to bring in college coaches from around the country. Hopefully Big Campy will come on again to uh, talk some D linemen, maybe tight ends. We did a few positions last year, if I remember correctly. Yep. And so it's always a fun time of year to to connect with the coaching community and break down this this draft film. In 2020, draft the draft was probably like my favorite sporting event because we were so desperate for action. I'm not usually a huge draft guy, but I thought the draft last year was awesome. So I'm I'm excited for it again this year as a result of that. Well, yeah, especially with the pandemic going on, right? There wasn't much uplifting stuff to really focus on. So the draft was a nice little uh get away from all of it for sure so let me reset the table here campy now the youtube stream was a little delayed so now we're up and running pat the people at home are going to know about the coaching corner so we'll make sure that that gets plugged again we'll throw it at the end for the people at home uh, and for the people on youtube we're working we're working things out around here we're going with the flow but at least campy we made it in time to figure out how campy could get his intro and so campy what's going on with you man shoveling (laughs) Yeah, no, I I ran out of places to put the snow. So, uh, I mean, I think my garage, it's on a decline. So it's it looks like Mount Everest down there. I had to make sure that there's a little grate. The grate's there for the, the flow of when the snow hopefully eventually melts. So I'll uh, be looking forward to that. Hopefully not a, a flood coming into my basement where uh, we get to converse. So a ridiculous amount Hopefully of snow. I mean, I haven't yes. seen this much snow here in a while, so it, it's an understatement. To even consider it a snowfall. I mean, it's still snowing a day later, so we're right. we're we're in for uh we're in for it right now. And I mean, people yeah. are going at it. You know, it's bad when the shovels stand no chance, and you got to go straight to snow blowers and plows. <laughs> so that's where we're at on this side. But we're holding up, guys. We do have football to talk about, though, and I'm very excited about it. They won't have any snow, unfortunately, down in uh, Tampa Bay where the Super Bowl is being played, although I would have loved to see one of those one day, so maybe we'll get that. But let's circle back, and we'll stay even on the sunnier side of things. And I wanted to touch on, to you know, to ease into the Super Bowl talk, about one of the first big trades that went on this offseason in that L.A. trade with uh, Detroit. Detroit's going to ship out Matt Stafford, 32 years old, just Stafford in the deal. And Detroit, on the other hand, is going to end up getting a haul out of it. They're going to get two firsts, a third, and golf, which is a pretty big boatload, in my opinion. Um, I'm more curious to see, I guess, your opinions on golf and Stafford and as a whole, obviously two one-ones that are kind of being flip-flopped. But all the other stuff, we've talked about Watson week in, week out on the show. And this is a package that we've kind of heard thrown around with Watson, you know, a couple first, a third, you know, not a player swap. So it's like, it's a big deal. I mean, we're talking about a big deal for Watson. I consider this a very big deal. So I guess let's blanket with this. Is Stafford worth it? And who do you ultimately see coming out on top in this trade? Well, uh, I, I think that the, 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 the two first, if it, I think it was two first because of the fact that they did not have a first this year. Uh, I think if they had a first this year, I don't think it would have cost two. Um, I think it's a lot to give up for a guy that's 33 and is, you know, can be injury prone. Uh, I don't, I I think the Rams, you know, they don't do this unless they think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Right, they think that he's the missing piece. He's going to carry the offense to be more dynamic. McVeigh is going to be a guy that that he's in love with. This guy, and he's able to 
you know, take in the, those intricacies of the offense and transcend it. Uh, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be better. I don't think that they're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so ultimately, those picks are, I think, come at a very high cost when you didn't have a first this year, uh, you didn't have a first last year, and now you don't have a first the next two years. They That's don't have a, a first lot. until 2023 or 2024, right. technically. They don't have a first in 2023. So 2024, they're back to normal. If you don't win a Super Bowl, it's yeah. it's a it's it's a terrible trade. So I, I mean Stafford is a good quarterback. I just don't think he's going to get them over the hump. And especially in the NFC West, where you know the Niners are gonna be back healthy and you know, they're looking to do something at quarterback and that defense is nothing to be trifled with. And then you got Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, which I mean, Hey, you got Russell. So you got a chance any game. Yeah. So, and the, the move kind of, I think a lot of people look at it as them offloading the terrible contract that they gave golf. He's getting 25 over the next 4 million uh, over the next four years, 25 million over the next four years, hefty amount of money. And obviously when they're paying the guys that they're paying on that team, can't really afford to do that. Especially when you got a guy like Jalen Ramsey, and a player like Aaron Donald. But, uh, Pat, to you, what are your thoughts on this trade initially? Uh, to be honest with you, the Rams really pissed me off. I think they used golf as a scapegoat a lot. You know, they were the best offense in the league at one point with him at quarterback. So are you saying he's declined? And if he is declined, isn't that your staff's issue? Like, why hasn't he improved? I know they lost their quarterback coach is now the head coach of the Bengals. I feel like there's been a lot of – overturn on that staff in general uh they lose the defensive coordinator now i think the rams are a sneaky team that is in like free fall mode as soon as the last domino falls they're gonna slide into the abyss they've given up a lot of their future um i think they're sort of desperate to win right now with the new stadium the chargers are some buzz around them they share that lease with them um i'd be very bearish on the Rams as far as a long-term investment. Stafford makes them a little bit better right now, but I was just never a, a huge golf hater. I thought he did something. He was a little inconsistent for sure. Uh, I just didn't like the design of that offense. I didn't think they were uh, adaptive enough. I thought they sort of did, did what they do every single week. And they were basically as good as their O-line and defense played. Uh, and the regression from golf to me, is more of an indictment on the, the staff than it is on him as a player. I think he's a good leader. He showed a lot of toughness in the postseason this year, coming back with the thumb injury. He didn't have to play in those games. Uh, got benched, basically, but didn't. Like, all of a sudden, he's in the game. Why didn't he start then? And he, he threw it pretty nicely against Seattle when he had to, I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. tough, tough kid. I think he's a common scapegoat with the Rams. And Stafford makes them better right now but uh, I'm not in love with the direction they're going in. I think I think that part at the end there in the playoff game when they kind of sat him out and then it, they the scapegoat in that was that he wasn't the best game plan. They said that Walford kind of had a better game plan on how to beat Seattle or whatever it may be. And he came in and played well. He, he was fine with the thumb injury. So I thought that was a very odd kind of writing on the wall situation there that even though he did well enough to win the game, he was still on his way out. So I thought he was a little mishandled and mistreated there, but this is a sign for things to come. There's obviously a lot of moving parts in the NFL, a lot of speculation. Again, we talked about Watson. Now this is the move and there's a million things that could come about before the draft. We got young guys coming in at the draft. So I guess the next question for me is which of these next either veteran types, maybe even a backup guy 
do you see kind of on the move that could be this next impactful quarterback to, you know, change the guard and hopefully go to a team that is looking to contend? I don't think the Rams are going to contend either. I do. I do agree with you guys. I didn't touch on that. I think this isn't going to really change much, but who's the next guy to move that could ultimately benefit a team that wants to make a playoff push? I mean, I'll start because I know Campy may have some more creative ideas on this one. All I have is is the chalk, to be honest with you. I mean, how's the answer not Carson Wentz? I mean, they broke this guy in Philadelphia. I just think it makes too much sense for him to, to move elsewhere. Uh, Rodgers is like, you know, sort of the secondary, you know, galaxy brain choice. People have a hard time thinking he's actually going to leave Green Bay, but look at it this way the Eagles and Packers drafted quarterbacks for a reason uh I think both of them are comfortable moving on if they got the right haul in return personally yeah I, I fall into the camp of Rodgers isn't going anywhere uh especially off an MVP season um you know and uh, and once again being one game away from going to the Super Bowl I just that would that seems like lunacy uh, in my opinion, but um, I'm, I'm sure, Hey, look, golf got traded. Everyone thought it was an untradeable contract and all this type of stuff. And, you know, they managed to do it. So if a team wants to go out and go get a quarterback or, or they want to make a change, they'll work around it. doesn't matter. Uh, so it is, it is something to certainly be open-minded about, you know, what GMs can do to, you know, improve their team or think that they can improve their team. Uh, Belly, I'm I'm on the same wavelength with you with Wentz. I think he's going to be on the move. My guess would be the Colts. I think there's just too much there with connections. Um, but mine, I, I think it's going to happen is Jimmy G back to New England. I think that it's pretty clear that San Francisco, they're trying to do something. They're open to finding a quarterback. I'm not sure who's going to go to San Francisco, but I, I just think that it's a prime uh development for Belichick to go get you know one of his guys that he drafted that he really liked um you know the whole back and forth with him and Brady you know the little bit of drama that came out with that or was disproven what have you but Belichick really liked him um uh, Jimmy G I mean he he he's certainly a serviceable quarterback really the Patriots just needed a serviceable quarterback last year to be, you know, somewhat more competitive. I mean, their defense obviously took a lot, uh, was not nearly as, you know, Patriots-like as we've come to see uh, in the past. And, you know, Cam did great job, I guess, running the football, but couldn't pass, you know, what you need to do as a quarterback. Uh, so Jimmy G, I think, would be a safe bet to go to New England, in my opinion, for, for relatively cheap as well. I like that. I honestly haven't thought of that yet. I could definitely see that. Pat, you had something to say? No, it just it makes a lot of sense. I didn't thought of it either. Yeah, no. It's a little what they end up trading uh Jimmy G for? It was a, it was like a mid mid-round pick, wasn't it? I don't think it was anything significant. No, I think it might have been like a third or fourth. I don't want to put us on the spot. I'm I could have looked it up I'll pull it up. That's why you I was gonna guess by. second. Yeah. That's what I thought too, second. Yeah, I I remember it was something along those lines. And his departure was a little odd too. I mean, there's a lot of indifference there. There are rumors to say that Belichick never really wanted him to go in the first place. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think second round pick. Second round pick. Straight and up. Second I think round for pick. them, that would be a better move. Again, 
at this point, Jimmy G's on the low. The 49ers definitely want to get rid of him. And I don't know, they're like tied to a quarterback in the first round. I think that move would make more sense and then maybe draft someone later, which they're kind of more known to do, and then have Jimmy G kind of breed him through that system that he knows. I mean, the Niners are still a young team, too. They don't have to necessarily break the bank on a veteran. Um, so getting a rookie for them, I, I think, makes sense. They might have to move up in the draft maybe slightly to get their guy. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a rookie quarterback. I mean, Shanahan's offense is you know quarterback friendly. If they feel strongly about a guy, there's there's a number of them. Hey, who knows? Maybe they like Trey Lance a lot. Maybe they maybe they're in love with Zach Wilson and they want to offer something. They could go out and get their man, and I think they'll do just fine um, in that scenario. Cool. All right. Well, we're gonna turn the page here because we've been talking non-New York football right now, but we're filling up the show. We're doing as much as we can. I promised to people a super show for the Super Bowl, and we're going to do something different here. We're going to do something a little different. Now, we do have a fucking ace in the sleeve over there, and Pat, who's going to be very good at this. I only have eight questions, so hopefully he doesn't answer them too fast. So we'll probably start with Campy, or we'll see. We'll see which one this is. I don't know if Campy will be better at certain questions or not. But anyways, we're going to do a little Super Bowl trivia. We're going to do a little Super Bowl trivia for the people who are listening to the podcast part of this. I will make sure I read the question out. But for the people watching on YouTube, we'll have a nice little display screen for you guys with the question so you guys can follow along. But we can jump right into it. Pat, do you want to tell the people why you have an ace in your sleeve on trivia? Well, I don't know if I necessarily do anymore. If this was six or seven years ago, I guarantee you I would win because I was obsessed with calling into a Mike and the Mad Dogs, little Mike in the Marquee trivia contest since I was a little kid. I can, I can remember in like eighth grade running off the bus to get home to turn on uh, Yes Network and watch the contest live. I'd write all the questions down. For those of you that don't know, I mean, it's a New York football show, so you should know what the Mike and the Mad Dogs Super Bowl contest is. But they would ask three questions. They would become more challenging as you went up the ladder. And then the fourth one would be an audio snippet. Um so that you wouldn't be able to actually like look it up when this contest first started there was no like wikipedia there's no google like you had to just know the stuff but as time went on the fourth question couldn't be difficult enough because of the internet so they switched to the audio uh the audio version of the question and in college i remember i finally got through it's very hard to get through to the contest had all my friends over at my apartment and i the question the audio had been released the day before and i thought i knew it for sure so my only goal was to get on and I'm going to win Super Bowl tickets. Sure enough, I get on, I get to the fourth question and they had pivoted away from the audio that I thought I knew because they thought it was too hard. And I called out Mike. I said, Mike, give me the hardest audio you guys got. I want a tough one. Sort of because I wanted that specific person that he had passed over. Anyway, he asked me the guy who, who I wanted. My guess was incorrect. And I proceeded to get berated by him and Minko going into the 2020 update. <laughs> They're like, he wanted that question. He asked for that question <laughs> and he didn't get it done back after this. It was like a legendary WFAN moment for me as a week, as a weekly caller. It was, it was pretty cool, but I thought for sure I won and I didn't. So, but well, I haven't studied clip. Super Bowl trivia since. So that would have been a great clip to keep a hold of. I mean, they used to have those know, on TV I, too. So oh, I had shame. it for a long time. I don't know where it went. We can find it never goes anywhere like you said the internet man they you you might think it's gone but you can find it if you really wanted to but let's get into this let's get into this and 
Campy, I'll start with you. So this way, if you don't know it, we'll just refer to Pat and then he could rifle away, well, rifle away at it. These are softballs. I tried to put okay. the softballs first. These are more general. It's kind of something you could, if you guessed, you'd probably be in good shape for it. So let's just. I'm going to leave my hands here so you know that I'm not cheating. So we'll just keep them so up for here. For the people at home, I know a lot of the people know me from school, but I do have the trivia host in my back pocket. Rule number one phones away. I do mm-hmm. not. Do not hesitate to call out a cheater. So here we go. Let's get into it. Which city has hosted the most Super Bowls? Which city? Which city? It's a general question. I figured this would be best to guess in case you didn't know. And I thought this Uh, might stump Pat too. So not necessarily a softball. So this it's just, for camp for Campy for now, or is, the this first is for to know. Campy. This Got is it. this is for Campy. So this is just the city. I don't need to name the stadium. No, no stadium, just city. Just the city. San Francisco. No. <laughs> Pat. I was gonna say Miami. It is Miami. Miami. It is Miami. Damn. Nice. Yeah, it makes sense. Seven. I think they've hosted seven Super Bowls. Florida as a whole. I mean, that's really why I figured, I guess, because I thought the popular ones are either you either go California or Florida and then, you know, just go off cities. Temperate climate makes sense. They it's played a, it at the Orange Bowl a number, of, a number of times, so. That's true. Well, here we go. This one, you know something, Pat? We're going to go with Campy again. This is one he should be able to get. This one's definitely the softer ball question, okay? This one isn't as general. This is a football-related question. Campy, here we go. Which right. team holds the record for the most Super Bowl wins? Most oh, Super Bowl wins. That would be – well, this is a tie, though, correct? Okay. Uh, so it's <laughs> Steelers and Patriots. He's got it. He's yeah. got it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, you said which team. I was like, they Patriots didn't get a seventh. So there's no way that they Did, didn't want to put the plural in there. I didn't <laughs> want to give it away. All right. Now we'll go to Pat here. We're at question number three. We're doing pretty well here. Even split here. So now it goes to Pat. Pat, question for you. Who is the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl? Uh, Dick Vermeil. I got. Bill Belichick as the answer here, Pat. Bill Belichick. I didn't give Campy a chance to rebuttal, but I wanted to get it out there because maybe you know more than me. See, I figured this might come up. I don't believe everything I see on the internet. So if you know more than I, check it. Well, the answer to that question for a long time was definitely Dick Vermeil. But like I said, I'm I'm five years out of the game of Super Bowl trivia and Bill has won a few since then. So I guess he probably did surpass him. That's a good question. Yeah, good question. Bill, uh, Camby, I don't know if you would have guessed Belichick, but I was almost worried about being proven wrong on my own show. So I hesitated, told him the answer, and was just ready for the rebuttal. So that's what <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was I was uh, prepared. Okay. It's okay. You can put the panic button away. We're okay. <laughs> I'm going to give Camby that point. <laughs> <laughs> Half a point. Half a point to Camby. All right, here we go. We're halfway through here. We're halfway through. This one... You know what? We'll give Pat. We'll give Pat another one. This one I think he should be able to get. How many teams have never gone to a Super Bowl and which ones? It's a two-parter. If you get the first part right, I'll let you have it. I'll allow it. But, uh, you know, for some bonus points there, let's see if you can get the teams. Have not Uh, made it. Detroit Lions would be one. The Houston Texans would be another. The Jaguars, another. 
that's three. Um, that uh, the Cleveland Browns. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. I'll stop you there. Hold the presses. We got another tie again. We got four teams, the Browns, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the Texans. Nice stuff, Pat. We're back to normal here. This one's going to be harder, though. This one's got to be on the head here, and I just would love to see the guesses on this. Question number five. How fast was the quickest score in Super Bowl history? How fast? The quickest I I think I actually know that one. Um, It was eight seconds. There was the safety. Okay. Then uh, safe Bronco safety. I thought that was it. The, you got the play. The you got the play. I'm not going to tell you how far you're off. You're really damn close. You're really damn close. Again, we can we can go to the half seconds. We can go to the tape if we need to. But Pat, do you have any anything you want to rebuttal? We can was, price is right this. I was going to say. So you said eight seconds. I guess Devin Hester wasn't that fast when he returned the opening <laughs> kickoff, which yeah. is which I thought is it weird was that to play me. too. Yeah, it, it it was the safety. And the answer I have, I'll give it a campy here. It's seven seconds, but we'll Damn. we'll we'll round down it. It says seven. I wonder seconds. how long. Hmm, I wonder how long the Hester kickoff return was. That was it. the quickest bet I've ever lost, actually, in Super Bowl <laughs> history. I bet that the, I bet that the Bears would not score a touchdown in the game, or that they would get oh. shut out. It was a huge, huge. First of all, they barely did. After that, they didn't do anything in the right. game. Oh, yeah, no, they I mean, Grossman was atrocious. Yeah, uh, rain. That was a that was a slam dunk for the Colts that game. But Prince halftime show was pretty good though. Was really good. Purple rain in the rain. Yeah. I have a tradition. I don't watch the halftime shows anymore. I usually smoke a cigar at halftime of the Super Bowl. It's not bad. Not actually, uh, I was going to put in a trivia question involving Janet Jackson's boob appearance, but I couldn't really come up with the term. All time great halftime performance. Probably the first I remember. I mean, that's dated at this point. That's dated at this point. But. You never forget your first star uh, nipple tassel. You know, you just kind of see it as a kid and you're like, there it is, you know, in all its glory. Well, Campy has the edge here. Campy's up. Campy's up a point. We got a few more to go here. Three more at bat. So even split so far. We'll see if Pat can recover here. Pat, this is going to you. This is a question that I don't know at this point if you're going to be able to get. So we'll see. Who is the last nine quarterback Super Bowl MVP? The most recent non-quarterback MVP. Hmm. How much time do I have? <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. I knew. Th- See, like the fact that you said you're you're a few years out. I was like, this can go either way. I don't. I'm not really sure. I didn't know. I think you should get it though. You should be able to get this. Brain power. Campy's ready to steal though. Can't be ready did he see play def- Did he play defense? No, no hints here. No hints. <laughs> I want to say Malcolm Smith. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go Malcolm Smith. That is not the right answer. Can't be any thoughts. Any <sighs> thoughts? Uh, I was thinking that one too. Um, Malcolm Butler. Not Malcolm Butler, no. Julian mm-hmm. Edelman. Julian oh, same year. right. He he's won. the one who he won yeah. that year that you thought it should be year. Butler. Yep. 
That's, That's right. He, he had a monster game, and he had that Overtime, catch. The catch. Yeah. Although well, I thought James White probably should have won the MVP in that one if it was going to someone other than Brady because he went absolutely off. He scored the game winner, had the two-point conversion. He had, he had a bunch of stuff going on in that game. Well, that like, was that, – that one was the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl, yep. correct? Mm-hmm. Well, that – that Edelman catch wasn't even the best one in the game. The Julio Jones catch was even crazier. Yeah. I thought so. I mean, yeah, the the most prolific catch I've seen and losing effort that Julio Jones catch. <laughs> I don't know where the man, because after that catch, it was like, okay, now they could, they were mismanaging the clock and you're like, okay, maybe they could figure this out again. And they right. still butchered it even more. It was, yeah. it was not, but James White, I'm trying to remember. I think he was like the first player to have a receiving, a rushing, and a two-point conversion in the Super Bowl. That's correct. Along those lines, yeah. Give myself my own trivia question. Maybe I should have thrown that <laughs> one in. They definitely wouldn't have got it. Okay, so we're still even here. We're still even. Or no, Campy has the edge. Campy does have the edge here. So we have two questions left. We'll start this with Pat to give him a chance to tie here and get this thing back to even, and we'll see where it goes. Because this last question is going to be a toss-up for sure. Here we go. Question one. This you should know. This you should know, Pat, because this is a, this is this is probably a question Mike and the Mad Dog would have asked you. Who was the first team to score fifty points in a Super Bowl? First team to hang fifty. Fifty burger, baby. Fifty burger. San Francisco. It is San Francisco. See, I figured out the type of guy he is now. Yeah, they uh, they won by like 35, 40 points. I believe they beat. Against the Chargers? Yeah, the Chargers. I was actually going to say the Cowboys because of the Bills game, but I'm sure that obviously the Niners came before that. 52-17, I believe. Yeah, they, they, they won by 35. So that, that, that adds up perfectly. We got ourselves a draw. This one, mind you, is no Super Bowl history. This is just going to be. This is going to be brain power, boys. Last and final question. Camby, you're going to have the first go at this. You could seal the win. You could pull the upset. All the books are losing their mind right now that you're getting this last question. Again, there is no advantage to this. I'm, I would be interested to see if Pat does know the answer to this based on his Super Bowl knowledge. But, Bill, we'll start with you. How many pounds does the Lombardi Trophy weigh? How many pounds? I'm going to say 12. No, it's not 12. I was actually going to guess right around there. I mean, is this like Price is Right? If I go up 12.1, well, I don't have over, any more questions. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to give it to whoever's closer. I'll say uh, <laughs> 11.9. Oh, he did you dirty. It is seven pounds. We will give it to the lower number, seven pounds. I thought he would price his right you and go up because then he could get the ladder. No, veteran, veteran in the game. He's also appeared in Price is Right too, apparently. So (laughs) odd that that is just how much it weighs. It seems like it would be heavier. A little more, right? Top heavy. All these big guys that are 300 pounds and you give them a seven pound trophy. (laughs) I guess that's no. why Gronk decided to just swing it and <laughs> dent it, you know? That's yeah. one of the best Super Bowl stories that he's uh, swung and hit it. Uh, I think, was it with a baseball? It might have been with a baseball. Yep, it was a baseball. Yeah, and it's permanently leave it, dented. Leave it to Gronk to use the head of a trophy to 
to hit a baseball. <laughs> well, that was entertaining. I definitely think we should do trivia more, not just for the Super Bowl. I get to rekindle my trivia, my trivia knowledge and my uh, hosting skills. And then we can just go at it. I think you both would love it too. I'll think of some stuff. We can go by teams maybe. Throw some love wild it. cards in there. Love trivia. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I love trivia and I love the Super Bowl. And I love everything to do with the Super Bowl. So let's get into that. And we don't have to go into it too extensively. We touched on it last week again. But I'll kind of ask you the same question I asked last week. Now that the dust has settled and, you know, this is different than most Super Bowls. No media week, not not all these distractions. Everything's kind of blander than we're used to. I mean, what what's getting you amped up about this matchup? I mean, what are you most excited to see? It's not really the David and Goliath. We don't have a Rex Grossman out there. It's kind of, for me, it's still hard to tell. I feel like the Chiefs are the better team, but you really don't know what to expect. So I'm kind of most excited about expecting the unexpected here. What are you guys looking forward to see in this matchup? Um, I, again, this is probably a pretty stock answer, but just the historical significance of Brady versus Mahomes, like – we're not going to get too many more of these. It's almost, and you could even take that a notch further. The enemy Mahomes as a team, like and, and I watch every Chiefs game of the regular season just because I know how special that connection is. But as as a diehard, you know, Tom Brady fan over the years, and so res- respectful of like what he's done in this league. Just I remember 10 years ago, we were like, oh my God, we're getting, we're getting Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning again. And we're like all these years later, Brady is still doing it. It's pretty cool. Like I, I, I appreciate the longevity of his career and the fact that Mahomes is the clear cut new best quarterback in the NFL. And I don't want to say it's a passing of a torch because I don't think Brady would like to think of it that way, but it's, it's a nice, uh, nice clash. Yeah, Brady, well, Brady has his way. Apparently, he's going to play past 45, so he could actually have a, a couple more of these. I think that's fanciful, but um, yeah, I mean, case in point, number one, you know, the easy choice is just to see the matchup between Brady and Mahomes. I mean, they're two and two. Uh, Brady got the first two when he was with the Patriots, um, and then uh, since last year, uh, or December of last year, the Chiefs have pulled off the other two wins, including this year, which was a 27-24 win where Hill went crazy in the first half and all that. Um, I, I think the one thing that changes or that has changed really since the AFC Championship game that the Chiefs lost is getting Steve Spagnola as their defensive coordinator. Um, and he has had an effect on that defense. Um, they were, I believe, 30th in defense uh, when they went to that AFC Championship game against the Patriots the first time around. Uh, and they made a change. They fired, uh, I believe it was uh, Sutton, and they bring in Spagnola, and he's turned that defense that was bottom of the league into middle of the league, and that is a huge deal. And so... He draws up those dynamic blitz schemes. He's able to get pressure. Um, the past two times, I'm just looking at the stats right now, but the past two times that the, the Chiefs have played Brady, you know, the first, uh, December 8th, 2019, Chiefs beat the Patriots 23-16. Mahomes, 283, one touchdown, one pick. Brady, 169, one touchdown, one pick. That's different because, what, that's a Patriots team last year. 
or two years ago that wasn't the same in terms of weapons, all of that. We all thought that Brady was falling off. He couldn't throw the same deep ball. He wasn't able to stretch the field and so on. Well, this past year, you have Mahomes, 462, three touchdowns. Brady, 345, three touchdowns, two picks. So we're seeing Brady, at least in my opinion, he's not always comfortable and he's able to turn the ball over enough. So I'm very much interested to see just how much the Chiefs can bother uh, Brady in this in this rematch of, you know, uh, this this game five. Who's going to take this record uh, in these matchups? See, for me, I look at it the same way we looked at that Packers Bucks matchup because right now Mahomes is humming. As much as we talked about Rodgers being the MVP, Mahomes is playing just as perfect. We talked about it against the Bills. It's uncanny how spot on he was and how stupid his numbers actually look. The Bucs are going to have to somehow make this guy make a mistake and, and somehow just throw him off his game. How that's even possible, I don't know. I don't know. And I think you're right. I listened to Spags talk today uh, at his presser following giant stuff. I know OCU Minura was in there. They talk about JPPs on the other side. But Spags really does have kind of, you know, Brady in his back pocket in terms of knowing already what to do on that big stage. I mean, we're looking at 14 years ago, these guys squared off at this point. That's how crazy that was back in 07. And I think the game plan stays the same. And it'll be interesting to see for me. I think Brady's comfortable making those mistakes now because he has a defense I think he trusts and relies on. But you can't really live with that against Mahomes. I feel like they're the team that not only are they going to capitalize on it, they're going to do it like faster than you could even blink. I mean, they're going to do it and make you get back on the field and think about what you did. So I don't really know what's going to break. I think it's going to really be that Casey offense versus the Tampa defense that settles this thing. And as great as the defense has been playing, I got to see it happen. I feel the same way as I did against Green Bay. I have to see it happen. If they can get one of those things to go right, whether it's a fumble off a running back, it doesn't have to be Mahomes, but they have to get that offense off its game maybe it's Hardman on a fumble on the punt whatever it may be if the ball goes the Bucks way and they could turn it into seven points and they could capitalize into the end zone I think it changes everything but if that doesn't happen I just don't see how the hell you leg that out because I rewatched the game like you were talking about Tyreek Hill not only did he have those numbers he had that he had it in the first quarter I think he had 200 in the first quarter I mean, and I don't see how Carlton Davis isn't still on him. I mean, I wouldn't put him on him, so, but I mean, he might be, still be on him. He was on Devontae last week, so I don't know, man. It, it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot of firepower to keep in front of you, but I think that's the deciding factor. Pat, what are you thinking? Um, I mean, just to stay in that particular phase that you're discussing with the Chiefs offense versus the Bucks D, I think the only real answer is to keep them, you know, off balance. You know, you, you have to blitz on some early downs. You have to take chances to get them off script. Now, I don't love cover zero against them because they have too many guys that can just house call it. Uh, I don't like straight zone because Mahomes reads it at an elite level and the ball's going to go to the right spot. I think they have to zone blitz. I think they have to play some man free. They really have to disguise. And I'm just a little bit concerned that Bowles lacks the creativity to be one step ahead of the enemy. I think he can uh, adjust well. And you saw it in the Packer game, but I felt like the Bucks were were basically, as far as their defense against Green Bay, they were making all the right adjustments. I didn't feel like they were out in front of what Green Bay was trying to do offensively, if that makes sense. Um, 
they kind of get in the right calls to counter what the team is doing. But I think against the Chiefs, you have to take it one step further, really gamble and try to be, you know, one step ahead of them. Let's let's play an odd front here. Let's let's show uh, too high and play one high. Like they were, I think Spagnolo's defense would actually is what would give Mahomes uh, the most difficulty of any scheme in the league because of how well they disguise stuff and uh, how they match different pressures. Uh, I don't see Bulls being creative enough to be out in front of the Chiefs' offense. It's uh, I'm I'm in the same realm uh, of what all you guys are saying. Really, I, I'm under the impression that if the Bucks defense cannot get and turn around the Chiefs defense in a short field twice in that game, whether it's through a turnover or some type of, you know, muff punt, what have you, I just think that they need to do it, need to at least get two turnovers that give Brady a short field at some point in that game. Um, you know, it could be special teams, could be a good return, you know, Mickens, had some nice returns last game, obviously, against the Packers. Um, but they need to do something to get that offense in the short field, give them an easier possession of sorts. And that when they get that short field, they have to score. I think that's really been the formula for these wins. Um, you know, the Saints game, uh, obviously, the Saints never ran away with it. They just were limited in offense. And the Bucks slowly chipped away. But that defense, you know, was just – did enough with getting the ball back to the offense's hands and giving short fields. That Packers game, same idea. They didn't get a lot in turnovers, but they were good enough in the kick return game, punt return game, and they were able to convert one of those those turnovers to a very short field and gain a possession. Um, you know, you're playing with dynamite with the Chiefs offense. You got to be able to give yourself – the ability to score points and in high percentage situations, I think in order to give yourself a shot against the chiefs team like that. Yeah. And in that first meeting, I know Mahomes had a turnover in the red zone too. I mean, maybe not two turnovers, but something as drastic as, and we were just talking about one of the sickest Super Bowls we had watched was that Steelers Cardinals game. That's it right there. That's a 14 point swing and at a pivotal point of the game, even that bills Ravens game, something like that, maybe not so drastic, but just get them to make a mistake, whether you convert it into points, short field, something to get them from maybe, I guess I'm trying to phrase it as taking points away from the Chiefs and just turning it into something positive, whether it's just momentum, whether it's slowing the game down, whether it's just keeping the ball in your hands and away from Mahomes, they got to do something to make sure this Chiefs offense isn't as comfortable as they've looked because they have been humming. And I think, you know, as much as I hyped up Kelsey in that last meeting against the Bills and he showed out, I don't see how Tyreek Hill doesn't explode this game. I really don't. I think Pat's right. I It scares the hell out of me to think what the heck this Buck secondary is going to do. I love their front eight. I've never had an issue. I actually think they could get pressure on Mahomes, but he's got some rest. His foot looked fine against the Bills. He's not concussed, so he's going to be able to break pocket. He does it more effortlessly than anyone. And I watched the first tape in the game against the Bucks. He backpedaled 15 times on one play from pressure to the sideline and threw it across his body to an open hardman in the fourth quarter. And Arians was talking about, I've never seen someone with this skill set effortlessly backside backpedaling 15 steps and throwing cross body to an open receiver. I mean, that's hard to cover. And like, so I don't worry about the front. I actually think they might be able to generate that pressure, especially with some issues on the offensive line with the chiefs. It's the secondary. 
it's a secondary that scares the heck out of me. And, and I think Mahomes is a guy that he just needs the one. He just needs the one. It's going 70 and it's going fast. Like it's going to boom. It could be third and eight, whatever it may be. Yeah, they don't have a corner that you could really feel confident putting one-on-one into the boundary. Say, let's go. We're playing man backside. We'll do some funny stuff front side, but you got him and let's eliminate. They don't have an eraser type defender, which would be a, a huge benefit. Um, I think you have to gamble from in between the 20s. You have to get them off script. And actually in the first game, they held up okay in the low red zone. That opening drive, the Chiefs marched. They didn't punch it in on first and goal from inside the five. And that's a huge win for the Bucs. They have to be patient. They have to be, they have to keep their heads up and understand that it field goals are huge wins. We need a handful of stops in this game. They're going to get theirs. Don't get down on yourself. Play with great effort and great technique in the red zone. One or two field goals could be the difference. Like yeah. that's the thing. The Bucks clearly to me have way less margin for error in this game than Kansas city. You know, they kind of have to play everything pretty much perfectly and they have to try to win a 30 to 27 type game. Like that. you're not going to, you're not going to beat the chiefs 21, 14 in this spot with that group, you know, no. and your aisle, I don't think they're good enough offensively to win 42, 38 either. I think they have a very narrow window of the type of game that they can win. And I guess we'll talk about it as we get a little further into the preview. I actually think some of the intangibles also belong to the chiefs, which is problematic for me if I was, going to back the bucks in this game yeah the uh going into those intangibles I, I will be very curious to see how often the chiefs line up hill in the slot because he just eats up if they play any type of man or man under he eats that up from the slot position it's it, it's just it's it's almost a guaranteed you know slant route and then how can you get him off. You got get him off of his track and his route. You got to get linebackers to maybe get him off and separate him from the actual timing, but you can only do it so long. He just, he's so damn fast. And Mahomes is just so accurate where he has a full head of steam. It's not a matter of, you know, they have to be realistic. The Bucks defense, they are not going to be able to stop the chiefs from getting big plays. It's going to be a matter of, can they manage to prevent them from getting too many? Um, whether that's in one half where they, they, maybe they give up a couple and a half, they can slow them down the second half. Um, you know, that's what we saw in that first meeting this year with Hill just exploding. And then they made enough adjustments where they were able to creep back into the game and, uh, chip away at the lead where the, you know, the chiefs offense didn't quite finish them. Um, and that's, that's going to be very interesting how that develops. The other thing that I thought was, uh, unique was just Andy Reed given another week of preparation, these coaching staffs. I mean, if you went into the coaches and you, and you thought, you know, chief staff versus bucks, you probably, you probably give it to the chiefs. Um, I mean, with Andy Reed and Bienemy and Spagnola, I mean, I think the Bucks staff is good. I, I like what Leftwich has done. I, I, I mean, Arians, I think, is certainly – he's been in the league for quite some time. And Bowles, you know, the quiet mouse that he is, uh, gives, a, gives you enough as a defensive coordinator where he's been around the block and, and he does a decent job. Um, but uh, interesting stat, uh, Andy Reed, 6-2 and two after first-round buys. Um, now you include that with the Super Bowls that he's been to. 
uh, one and one because obviously they lost against the Patriots when he was with the Eagles, and then they win one last year. So you give him extra time, you know, uh, seven and three, and exactly, and he's got an extra week, right? So it's a lot of time to prep. You would think that just him being able to, you know, be the maestro and yeah. draw up and and scheme up whatever he wants to do against the. I, I, I've been saying a. a a very good Bucks defense, an explosive Bucks defense. I think that, you know, we've talked about how Devin White's a monster, how he's not necessarily the most technically sound linebacker. I have a feeling that they're going to be motioning and just getting him out of his mind with just trying to locate where the hell he's got to be because he's so fast mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll run himself out of the play. Uh, he'll be, you know, he'll be a bat out of hell but he could certainly overcommit to one one motion or, or what have you with everything going on in front of him. And, you know, the Chiefs do that better than anybody. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see just how those adjustments through the game. That's a really good point. You know, uh, another thing, I also saw Biennemi, just because we're talking about coaching staffs, I saw Biennemi and they kind of addressed him in the presser today just about how – you know, we interviewed for six positions, hasn't been offered anything other than Colorado. They keep bringing up restructuring the Rooney rule. But hearing him speak and, like, what he has to offer, football aside even, just being a guy's guy, I have no idea how he's walking to an interview room and people have not wanted to offer this man. I, I don't understand it, actually. And he was so humble and speaking about it just with no ill will, just talking about he just wanted to keep chopping the wood. He's got a job to do. I mean, he's about to play the Super Bowl. He's like, I'm not a poster boy for this. He's like – you know, it is what it is. He can't change it, but just how he held ownership to what his job is and what, you know, the reality of the situation is and just, just no ill will just was a football guy's guy was ready to get back to work. Just kept, he's like, I'm gonna keep chopping. There's nothing else he can do. It's not in his power. It just blows my mind that there were that many openings and he got offered Colorado last year. He won a Super Bowl. This offense has been this good. And we're still here a year later. And nothing. I, I think that's crazy. And we were talking about how he would have been perfect for the Jets. I love Salah. That's, I mean, Salah's great, but it's like, we're talking about how this was, you know, a 1A, 1B for the Jets, and now he's not even a 1A anywhere else. I mean, that's, that, that was, that was really interesting to me. I, I think he, he would be a great head coach. I think so too. I mean, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of it to really speak on why he hasn't gotten that chance. I mean, we could all make our assumptions, but uh, it, it it does it's pretty nonsensical to me and my favorite thing still like we've talked about this now third time let me put on tape what chad henny was able to do when he was put in the game in a high leverage situation did he have a turnover yeah he did but he executed that offense at a high level in some very high leverage spots or they're not in this game and i think that's an interesting point to bring up this week again with the loss of eric fisher other staffs, I'd be a little concerned about the reshuffling and is the backup ready to play? Like, I have no doubt in my mind that they're prepared. They're not going to let the backup right tackle wreck the game for them. They're going to chip. They're going to have a wing. They're going to have a lot of motion. They're going to roll uh, boot Mahomes out to the left. Like, they're going to have answers. I think uh, that that's another reason why I'm leaning towards towards the Chiefs, uh, especially because uh, rewatching that first game, Eric Fisher was bad. He had a terrible game. He got worked. I don't think they lose much by sliding Remmers over to the left side. This kid, Andrew Wiley, is going to play right tackle. He's probably the weak link on the line, but I do think um, he's a big kid. He won't get bull rushed. So I think they can give him some help on the edge. Um, again, I'm kind of losing my, uh, my my train of thought here, but I, I do think the enemy's preparation of the entire roster offensively 
gets underappreciated because of how great Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey are. But he he gets a lot of his bad players, quote unquote. Allegretti, the left guard, has had a huge year. Ryder, Wisniewski, like these O-linemen that are kind of underappreciated, not that fanciest picks, he played well. Yeah, and, and not to mention uh, Duvernay Tardif. You know, he opted out. Opting and, out, right. Yeah, and so they've had to make plenty of adjustments um, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, offensive line-wise. It, it is a, it's a travesty that he hasn't been hired yet as a head coach, honestly. Um, you know, you look at some of the hirings, and we are kind of on a tangent, but it is worth certainly noting. I mean, Dan Campbell in Detroit, I mean, I, I'm sure he loves the taste of kneecaps, but I would take Eric Bieniemy over him. I mean, you know, they're all high on the culture. That's great. Eric Bieniemy chewed out Adrian Peterson as a running backs coach and told him what's what. That tells you the type of dude he is um, way back when, when he was with the Vikings. So, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni in Philly, uh, you know, I, I have no complaints with the Jets. They, they got, a, you know, a great leader of men with Salah. We talked all about that. But there is certainly guys that uh, you wonder, you scratch your head wondering, what, where's the disconnect here? Why isn't Eric Biennemi getting an opportunity when he's just crushing it? Yeah. And, and you know, to kind of summarize all of that, I mean, People kind of look at the game more on a broader scale, but it really comes down to coaching. I mean, can't be. We're on a staff together. We've all coached before. I mean, that rolls to coaching. I mean, all those issues. Like, I'm a Giants fan. You're a Jets fan. If we lost one of our offensive linemen, the world would come burning down. We're talking about rotating guys, changing game plans in a high-pressure situation. You're starting guard from the year before, ops out. I mean, just add on to the list and you would have no idea when you turn on the tape on Sunday and you're watching the game, you'd have no clue. And that's a big attribution, obviously to Andy Reid, you know, he's top down there, but you know, the in this offense, they just, they don't lose a step and Mahomes helps a lot and the talent that they have helps a lot, but you know, you still got a scheme. You still got to organize. I mean, you know, you still got to play the damn game. So there's that now to the game itself. Here's, I don't have a score prediction yet, but my thought of this game, even as someone who has a futures on the Bucks, and I'm with you, Pat. I'm the, I'm leaning towards. Rob, the really, really quick before we get into the scores, I had a question for both of you guys. Yeah, if if you had, let let's say, uh, I really think that if you broke it down from both teams, okay, the two strongest position groups, right, aside from quarterback, whatever, you would probably say the skill players, correct? Probably like just in terms of talent, just in, in general, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, you put them all together. Probably the strongest out of both teams, you would say. Yeah. Uh, the defensive side of the ball probably wouldn't get any shine in that situation. I mean, you just look across it with Evans, Godwin. Right. You know, what do you think, uh, Pat? You mean like Kelsey. both teams combined? Both teams, Chiefs, Chiefs skill positions, running backs, receivers, tight ends, uh, Buccaneers, running backs, receivers, tight ends. Probably the strongest. If you had to combine both squads and line them all up together, it'd be the you know the skill guys for sure. Right. So here's my question for you: What skill group would you rather take, Chiefs or Bucks? Just straight up. No quarterbacks. Just no quarterbacks. Nothing. Just the skill group: receivers, tight ends, running backs. That's an interesting question. I'll just answer it just so I could get out in front of it. Um, I actually, on paper, if I'm developing my Madden team, I'm taking the Bucks. Actually, I really like Ronald Jones as a running back. I like. I like the running backs that they have over in uh, 
Tampa Bay a little bit more than the KC guys. Uh, I'm not sold on Clyde. I never really was. And, and I know he's kind of dinked up. And then they have Daryl Williams. Lev is kind of half of who he was. So I really like Ronald Jones, even though they don't utilize him. And uh, playoff Lenny has been showing up. And then, I mean, really, you know, big Mike Evans, even though he doesn't always rise to the occasion, is gigantic. And I'm a big Godwin fan. And obviously Gronk. Can't sleep on Gronk. He'll be there as well. So, yeah, I take yeah. the Bucks. I mean, I guess the Bucks maybe from a depth standpoint, but I still think the challenge that comes with having to figure out a way to bracket Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey at the same time is the hardest of tasks. So mm-hmm. those two guys are probably – bigger game breakers than any two on the buck side so I, I would have to go with the chiefs there yeah yeah i, I was racking my brain for it uh, you know for that question i mean it's the answer to that question personally because it's hard to overlook the bucks weapons you know brady's had you could argue this is the most talent he's ever had around him i think at the skill positions pretty yeah. i mean probably barring maybe the randy moss year probably when he was just mossing everybody and, you know, breaking records, but it's hard to look at, but I I tend to agree with you, Pat. I think it's just the X factors that Hill and Kelsey are, um, you know, just brings that group a little bit bigger just because of the impact plays they can make. Yeah. I think the right answer is the chiefs, but I think like to deny the fact, I mean, I'll be on the other side of it because it's like, it's hard to deny the fact that that is a stupid talented team. On the bus. Yeah, I don't don't get it twisted. They're both really, really good. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah, they, curious yeah. what you guys thought. For me, actually, it, it was the running backs. I just I, I I like I like myself some good running backs. And the Chiefs, I mean, again, quarterbacks aside, they don't really need a running back. I, I think it's important that they have those running backs to help Brady out a little bit, but they don't really need a running back right now. I think they can figure it out for Mahomes. I wasn't exactly gonna pick a score prediction. What I was gonna say is that I think this meeting, before I get your predictions, I think this meeting is gonna be a lot like the last one, believe it or not. I think the Chiefs probably get out in front, and I think the best shot that the Bucks have at coming back or, or winning this game is coming back. I think they got a backdoor. I think it's got to be like the Falcons game we talked about, and I think it's got to be one of those Brady's down but he's not out type of moments because we talked about it. I don't think if they have a lead, they're going to be able to contain the Chiefs, truthfully. And I think maybe it might be a mind fucking. Maybe the Chiefs get the lead and not exactly step on the gas, which I don't think will happen. But maybe, maybe they get a little comfortable. My my point is, I think the only way the Bucks win this is if they come back, and it's got to be just a classic Super Bowl. If it's not like that, I don't see how the Chiefs don't win this by two scores. Truthfully, if if the Bucks can't come back, I, I just I've looked at this game now for the week, just staring at it. I mean. It's got to be exactly like that first matchup in my eyes. I, I just see it being very similar to that. I see a hot start, and unless they can get something going and, and kind of backdoor this thing, I mean, give me the Chiefs by 10, truthfully. Like, that's where I'm at mentally. <laughs> where are you guys at? Where are you guys at with this? Um, score prediction is obviously tough for me game flow-wise. I think if they play 10 times, the Chiefs win somewhere between 6 and 7, so I think it's yeah. a little tighter than you do. Um, my, so if everything goes as, as expected, you know, there's no fluky plays, if you will, I think the chiefs probably win something between a field goal and a touchdown game. Um, the problem is what happens if stuff goes wrong and the issue that I keep coming back to, you know, I have this chief's future. I want to put some action on the Buccaneers with points to sort of give myself a middle opportunity, but all the little things I, I broke down all the special teams this week, the chiefs have an edge everywhere. So I see like 
a fluky play, a big special teams play happening against the Bucs, not necessarily for them. And I wish they did a little bit of the more of the little things at a more efficient rate to give me myself a little more confidence in Tampa Bay. I think for them, Brady can't be their best player on offense. Someone, and I thought he was in the first half against Green Bay. I think someone else needs to really step up and, and rally the troops. Like Evans has to just show it's going to be a Mike Evans type game. He's going to go off. Uh, Fournette can't have any focus drops. Like Ronald Jones has to be trucking people. They need someone else early to feed off uh, that Brady focus and energy that he's going to come with in that first series. Like they can't ease themselves into the game. Uh, So like I said, I, I I guess I'll go. uh, What was the first score? 27, 24 was the first matchup. Yeah. How about a a carbon copy? 27, 24 again. That's, that's what I'll say. Kansas city. I like that. The uh, that's a great, great point. You, you hinted at there, uh, Pat, because that's something that doesn't get enough shine, just the special teams. And the Bucks' special teams is just not that great. They've, they've been lower, they're lower half of the league. Um, I mean, Mickens has been a bright spot in places, but their coverage is not good and in the punt and the kickoff. And the Chiefs have so many dynamic weapons in terms of that between Robinson, Hardman, you know, uh, you know, take your pick. Uh, so the odds of a big special teams play, I think, are very high. Um, you know, I'm not really the biggest guy that's betting, but I wouldn't be shocked at a, a special teams touchdown of some type uh, to take place in this game. Um, I, I kind of spoke to it last week as to what I see the Bucks scenario of winning. I think they have to get the lead. I think they have to score a touchdown first. Uh, I do not think that they are equipped to come back from a deficit. Um, yes, they chipped away against the Chiefs the first time they played, but they still lost. I think that they need to get a touchdown first. I think they need to try to prevent the Chiefs from having having this be a, a, a 12 to 14 possession game. I think they need to pound the football with Leonard Fournette and really try to work that front line uh, of the Chiefs. I mean, they have Chris Jones, um, but that's really, in terms of X-Factor type guys, that's that's about where it ends. Um, they've had, you know, uh, some some plays from uh, uh, Iwosu. No, sorry, not Iwosu. The, um, the other end, goodness. Can't remember off the top of my head. But the Chiefs uh, defensive end opposite of Frank Clark, He's done a pretty decent job, but there's no way that that Bucks offensive line shouldn't be able to do enough to uh, maybe get Spagnola off script um, in terms of blitzes and having more have him have him worry more about the run than the pass. Um, but that's what I think. They need to get the lead and they need to prevent the Chiefs uh, from getting, you know, double digit possessions. They should try to possess the ball control it and just gamble about, you know, with giving Mahomes the least amount of possessions as possible. I think that's the key to the game. However, I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think chiefs are going to do enough to, to just get the bucks in panic mode in terms of having to overcome some type of a deficit, maybe not be any, anything that seems insurmountable, but 
10 point lead at some point, I think the Chiefs are going to have. I think that that's going to draw a bit of panic uh, from the Bucks. I think I'm going to go with uh, Chiefs uh, 30, Bucks 23. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, that's kind of where I'm ballparking. And before I put a number on it, for me, what's throwing me off is last year's Super Bowl. I think the 49ers, everything we just said, they did it pretty much as well as you kind of could have. Jimmy G could have made some throws there to put the Chiefs out of it or kind of put that game out of reach, and he didn't, and that's ultimately why he's been under this microscope since. So maybe Brady does make those throws, and they make you know they follow the same game plan. But the 49ers D was also just, I mean, loaded, loaded. I love the Bucks front. I love their D, but the 49ers D last year was no joke, and they still had issues slowing this man down down the stretch. So <clears throat> for me. I think the guy that you guys are talking about, it's got to be those running backs. If they stand any chance, I mean, they really got to run the heck out of the ball. They got to use Fournette and they got to use Jones as balanced as they've been using them and hopefully break something. I mean, if we match up offensive lines, I would take the Bucks offensive line over the Chiefs offensive line right now. So get man on man, because I think it only helps Brady out in the play action game. And it's just the best way to, in some, in some way, shape and form control Mahomes and this offense, because the best, you know, the best defense is keeping him off the field. It's, it's really what it is. I mean, give him no time and just take, take the ball out of his hand. So, you know, I said, I think Brady would have to come back, but maybe, maybe it won't be so significant. I don't think they'd have to come back from 10. I kind of see the 10 point win coming where the chiefs are up by a touchdown. The bucks don't get anything going and they ice it with a field goal late or whether they're up three and they ice it with a touchdown late and put it out of reach. That's kind of where I see it going, but I do have that bet on the bucks. So I do think maybe they get a little bit closer. So I'll go with this. You guys, you said 27, 24, you were at 30, 23. Okay. So I'll give, I don't know if the Bucks get to 27 though. I like 24 as a number, but I don't want to say it. So I'm going to try to think, give me, all right, let's, let's take the over here. We'll take the over. I'll go 34, 34, 27, seven point chiefs win. That's what, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Instead of that 10 point win, the Bucks get a field goal late and they try to go for the onside. That's what's going to happen. And then they don't get it. And then the game's over. So that's what we'll go with 34, 27. I'll bet the over just because, and uh, I think the Bucks. Have a chance, but like you said, Pat, it's probably thirty percent. I mean, it's got to be. If yeah, it, I, it, I think it's, it's like six. More. I think all things equal, it's like sixty forty. But then in that hard to, hard to predict play, I think that play is eighty twenty to go into the Chiefs' yeah. favor. That's like what sort of is the the final Mah- straw for me. Hardman had the fumble last week, right? And it was such an anomaly, and they still bounce back from it. So like. That's what throws me off too. Cause I think even if they get the play and they capitalize, is that enough at this point? They're just going to get the guy, the ball who just made the mistake, get him mentally back checked in and he's going to go 60 yards on a reverse. So it's like, it's hard for me to kind of break past this like chiefs mojo right now. Um, and again, though, as a gambling man, when you feel this way, fade yourself sometimes. I mean, when everything's going right one way, sometimes you have to look on the other side and think, the, you know, expect the unexpected, like I was talking about. So I'm kind of glad I have a futures on the bucks just in case it doesn't go that way. But I think this is probably one of the harder Super Bowls for me to kind of put a finger on. And we talked about it last week. I really, I don't know what Brady we're going to get. Cause we've talked about, we've seen a few Brady's this year in some big time games uh, at home against the Saints. He really laid a duck against the chiefs. He wasn't a world beater, but he turned up when he needed to turn up. So 
I don't know. Like last week, it was a tale of two halves. I really don't know what to expect here. I see the Chiefs winning, but I do think it's going to be close throughout most of it, at least going into the fourth quarter. The other, the other thing I, I wanted to bring up too is, you know, obviously Brady's acumen and, and Gronk and a couple of they've been there before. But you have a team that you know the the Bucks, the vast majority of them, younger guys, they have not been in this situation, and you have a team that was just in the Super Bowl last year and the added pressure, right, where the Bucks are playing at home. I really don't know that that's a huge advantage, in my opinion. I feel like that that adds actually additional pressure. And obviously with the whole week, uh, the past two weeks, right, we were, were used to this uh, Super Bowl hoopla of all these different, you know, uh, press meets and all that. And now that's not the case because of COVID. So now... I, I believe the Chiefs aren't even going to be in Tampa until two nights before the Super Bowl. And so the, everything's been virtual. So then you've had the Bucks just chilling at home the entire time. The Chiefs can hang out in, in KC, you know, game plan everything, do what they want. Um, I, I just don't think that the home field in the Super Bowl is going to pay off that much. I honestly think it's just it's another added bit of pressure on a team um, and look, it, they're professionals, you know, it's the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to be anything like the Bucks get blown out. I think it's going to be a good football game, but I just think it's something that's an added thing that you have to worry about um, in that sense of just, uh, you know, pressure. Yeah. So the score I was feeling, by the way, was 30 to 24. For some reason, I think it's going to be a six point game. Nice round number. That's going to be a prop. I throw in there. chiefs by six, just because, Buckers miss some, so you never know. Um, so I just wanted to put that energy out into the world as well. But, you know, I think you're right. I think the home field, you know, I I really wanted to see a Super Bowl team, like, be the home team in the Super Bowl. And this is kind of anticlimactic. Uh, anti like, this isn't what I expected. Like, I wanted the, the pageantry of it, you know? Like, they have home field advantage. And this is the opposite. It's a, it's a COVID season. No one really cares. Everything's virtual. Like, I think the whole idea, and I hinted at it in the front of the show, that, you know, there is no media week, you know, they're not going through press in Tampa the entire week. They're not dealing with any of those outside noises that they probably get from uh, being the road team in Tampa, but we will see guys, we will see um, any last, any last points we want to touch on here. Anything you want to get off your chest, Pat, you got to make sure you plug your show for me one more time. At least give me that for the people on YouTube who didn't get to hear it at the beginning of this. Yeah. It's a coach's corner podcast on SoundCloud uh, I'm going to have my good buddy Ron Gavazzi on tomorrow to break down the Super Bowl from a schematic standpoint. Uh, I'm going to probably drop one episode a week between now and the NFL draft. I'll be with Campy. Maybe Rod could come on and break down a position group as well. That'd be a lot of fun. So uh, Coach's Corner on SoundCloud. I mean, for me, I'm just looking forward to this game. Uh, obviously, uh, I'll be at uh, NJ Beer Co. Friday night if you're feeling a beer or need to get your brewski set up for the actual game. Got a couple of newbies coming. So if you enjoy good beer and I know you guys enjoy football, come on by. Really good beer. Great flights. I actually have one more trivia question for you guys. How many chicken wings do you think Americans eat during the Super Bowl? Anyone? This one, I couldn't trust the answer. It sounded too crazy, but yeah, I got to take a guess. Take a guess. Uh, 150 million. One billion. One billion, can't be one point three billion is the number. Holy crap! Uh, that's a lot of chicken wings. That's a lot. Hold of on, who's wings. the? 
we have to answer one more prediction. Who's the MVP of the game? I'm going to go with Hardman. Ooh, Hardman. And I think he's got special – I think he's got some equity in special teams to return a punt. I think he could be the guy that's not bracketed offensively, who kind of flies under the radar. Uh, that'll be my, my pick for MVP. I, be a true redemption story from the last game. Yeah. Well, he had plenty of redemption that last game, okay. to be to be honest. He was killing it. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, look, they gave it to Mahomes last year when I think Williams should have won it personally. Uh, I think it's going to be Mahomes again. But my dark horse would be uh, Honey Badger. Ooh, I like that too. Is he on special teams at all? No, they don't. They don't play him in special teams anymore. I know he used. Yes, to they do. They do a little bit, not often. Yeah. Uh, Sorensen plays uh, wing for them on punt, but it, it, I've seen Matthew in there in some high leverage situations. Yeah, I just remember him in LSU. I, honestly, That's my other funny. My other What's prediction. That? Sorry to interrupt. You're the, good. The Chiefs will either block or return a punt in this football game. So, you know, we're going to get to the best bets part of this uh, show after you guys are on, but I'll gladly throw that in there. That's Campy's bet. He's not a gambling man. I will gamble for him, and we're betting a Chiefs special teams touchdown. So I'm glad you threw that in there. Chiefs by six, Chiefs special teams touchdown. We got some other. What are the odds on that? What are the odds on the Chiefs? check it. I, I don't want to find give it. you anything that's not a bet on uh, betonline.ag uh, line <laughs> here because, of course, our lovely sponsors are betonline.ag, but I'll get those odds and I'll put it out on the uh, stream later. I'll at least shoot it to you guys and let you know. I'll bet, yeah. I'll bet for the both of us, Pat. I'll cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Get a beer with Campy on Friday. Check out Pat's show and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for having us, Rob. Thanks again. That interview with Bill Campy and Pat DiMartino was brought to you by betonline.ag. All right. Now I'm going to get you guys ready for this interview and discussion with Benny Ricciardi. Be sure to check both these interviews out on the YouTube channel, Talkin' Tino. You can sub to that. You can support me there. Be sure to also support me on my other YouTube channels. We got Mets content coming out on What Do You Shay? That channel is growing. Really excited about that. So for any Mets fans or baseball fans out there that are listening to the show, you can check that stuff out too. All of it is going to be accessible off my Twitter, though, at Tino Rodriguez with a double underscore. Check all that stuff out. But let's cut those promos and get to my conversation with Benny Ricciardi from FTN Network and FTN Bets. We're going to get into some best bets. We have prop bets. We have coin toss. We have Gatorade color to talk about. So stick around for that. Here he is, Benny Ricciardi. All right, I now have the great pleasure of bringing back on, after a one-week hiatus, he is back in the flesh, Benny Ricciardi. We missed you. We didn't have any gambling to talk about. We still gambled. We just didn't have any to talk about on a football show. And uh, we're back, dude. How are you doing? I hope everything is well with you snowed in uh, with the family. Yeah, basically at this point, as you can see, I'm stretching right now. We were doing some uh, some shoveling here today. and. My my old back is starting to act up on me a little bit here, but uh, other than that, not too bad. I mean, listen, I had a lot of work to do. We got Super Bowl week here. It's been a busy uh, busy week over at FTN right now, trying to get everything up over there. So it's not a bad time to be snowed in with nothing else to do right now. A lot, a lot of sports going on that we can talk about. Well, yeah. Well, the Nets game is on right now. That's a gigantic matchup. A lot of good NBA is going on. We got Karen yelling at LeBron on the sideline. I mean, active sports. We got active sports going on. I'm excited about the Super Bowl though. 
it's weird. I've been watching a lot of the press conferences lately and it's different to me. Like I'm used to the whole media row and everyone getting berated with questions and different things. And it's like, it's virtual. It's not, it's not the same. It doesn't have the same yeah. aura. And I feel like this Super Bowl should, like, I think it's going to be an incredible Super Bowl. So it's kind of like, we're getting cheated as fans. We're not getting the whole, the whole taste. Um, yeah, I mean, you got the whole, the whole passing of the torch narrative, right? I mean, you know, Tom Brady, who's been, you know, basically the guy for the last 20 years. And then you got, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who won his first one last year, going for his second one now. Like, is this going to be the passing of the torch to the young guy? Or is this going to be the, uh, you know, the old dog with one more trick and, uh, you know, pulling out one last uh, one last ring or something? Even though it might not be the last ring. I don't know if you saw that today. He's basically saying, like, hey, I'm, you know, I had a good year. I feel good. Like, I never told anybody I'm retiring. This isn't, you know, this doesn't have to be the end for me. Like, he said 45. He said 45 without most confidence. And I believe him. We've talked about this before. The guy does not look like he's aged. Like, if you put him next to Drew Brees, they don't look like they're the same class of player. Like, Drew no. needs to retire. Tom is fine. I mean, listen, bro. I'm I'm a couple years younger than Tom Brady wants to be when he retires. And I can barely get – I guarantee I'm not going to be able to get out of bed tomorrow after all the shoveling. You shovel. Yeah, you shovel. I, I don't know how the hell this guy has – 300 pound lineman landing on him every day and still getting up. And uh, I mean, I guess that's, you know, I guess that's the magic of having Giselle Buchan sleeping in the bed next to you. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. He also spends millions of dollars on his body. So that'll help as well. You know, a million dollars will probably help you back out a little yeah, bit too. I'm drinking Sunkiss. So we are not the same right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking some years off your life. Tom's that's trying right. to add that back on, but I like that narrative. I mean, I think that's the big thing. And even as fans, and that's why that aura is in the air for me. It's we get to see it. I think in any sport we talk about how you want to see the best first, the best, and you don't really always get it. Uh, the most I could compare this to, I talk about when I was coming up, everyone wanted, uh, everyone wanted to see Kobe LeBron. Everyone wanted to see yeah. Kobe LeBron, and we got a game away, and you didn't get it. There's no saying that anymore. We, we we got a taste of it in the AFC Championship game, and now we actually got it in the biggest stage of them all. And for a while, people didn't think we'd get this because you never knew if Tom would leave the Patriots, and here we are. And it's interesting that Brady's home. Tampa's home, but it doesn't feel like a home game. And I don't really – like, I don't trust the Bucks at home either way. So we talk about the numbers a lot. And let's just touch on that really quick because we talk about neutral fields and home field advantage. Does that play any factor in this game for you? Obviously, it's a three-point line. The game was decided by three points earlier this year, 27-24. Um, home field advantage, how are you looking at that? Do you see that playing any factor in this game at all? I mean, normally you don't even have to factor home field advantage into a Super Bowl because, I mean, it's never really at somebody's home field. But I do think you have to factor it in here. Hold on one second. I'm just actually calling up my numbers here while we talk so that I can uh, I can give you my exacts here when we uh, when we get into this and all. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the way, the way I'm looking at it is, yeah, you do have to factor in home field advantage. But remember, we've been talking about this all year, right, Steve? Like, Home field advantage this year is not what home field advantage has been in the past. So, you know, you're going to factor it in. But really, what are we factoring in? I mean, I think I used a point and a half as the number that I used here. All right, here we go. I got my numbers up now. I was just waiting for it to load. Uh, so I have neutral field. Kansas City, Green Bay would be five, about five and a half points. Um, so my number on this game is around four. It's actually a little less than four. It's like 3.75. And I think most places I've seen it right now, we're sitting at like three and a half, right? 
What do they have yep. it at Bet Online? Is it three and so a half? Bet Online has it at three. I saw movement go okay. up to three and a half, but as of today, it's back down to three. So I thought that was really interesting. And I actually don't know. And this is something I was debating with a, a buddy of mine. If you want to get in on either the Chiefs or the Bucks, right? Normally, what I'd say is because this number is kind of set up for a push based on the last matchup, you almost mm-hmm. want to live bet it in a sense. I was thinking of maybe the Chiefs go down early, you can bet it. But then I look at it like, how the hell is this line going to even move? How do you even dictate that? Most of the time you try to jump in the Chiefs live and you don't get the line you expect or even hope. Sometimes they're still the favorites. So yep. I'm really looking forward to this matchup because there's a, there's a lot to be unexpected in this matchup, I think. Like you've seen it before. That last matchup, the Chiefs beat the crap out of them in the yep. first half, the first yeah. quarter. I was, I was just about to say the first – it was over on the third yeah. bomb pass to Tyree Kill in the first quarter. It was over. Like it was, you know. That that game was that that game was out of hand right from the beginning. I expected, and and you know what, we can start right here when we talk about like what we're expecting here and narratives and everything else. Like, I expect this game to go very differently than that game did, right? Because I think that game Tampa Bay tried to play man, and I think they realized we cannot play man to man against this team because we do not have anybody that is going to be able to stay with Tyree Kill, and we're going to have to either double him or, you know, play some kind of zone where we have help over the top and somebody bracketed underneath him. So I think it's going to be a game where instead of seeing a lot of man-to-man, you're going to see a lot of zone here. And that is going to benefit Travis Kelsey. So everybody who's looking at that first game and saying, oh, well, you know, I forget what his number – his numbers were ridiculous, right? Was it like 13 catches for like 200-something yards for Tyreek Hill in that first game? Um, yeah, so he had 200 yards, I think, in the first quarter, actually, yeah. which was absolutely absurd. And then Kelsey, if you want to talk about them last week, I mean, go no further. Kelsey had, I think, 13 catches probably in the first half. Well, that's so, I mean, that's, that's the game that we want to look at is last week because what did they try to do to them last week? They tried to play zone. So if we think that Tampa Bay is going to try to play zone this week, you got to think that that's going to benefit Kelsey because, listen, you know how it is, man. If you lose to a team, when you come back to play them the second time, you're not going to come in there with the same game plan. So defensively, Tampa Bay's game plan has to change because what they did last week, the first time they played them, obviously did not work. So they're going to have to figure out some way to slow down the deep pass and Tyreek Hill, which is what killed them in the first game. And I think the way they do that is playing a little more zone. And if you're going to play a little more zone, the guy that that's going to benefit the most is going to be Travis Kelsey. So I think Kelsey is the guy who I'm looking at for a lot of these um a lot of these props right here. I'm thinking that Kelsey, like I like Kelsey first touchdown. I like Kelsey first pass of the game. I like Kelsey's over on receptions. Like, you know, again, that is the, yeah, that is what, that is what I'm looking at here. I'm looking at all the things with Travis Kelsey. Cause I do think that they're going to be so worried about not letting Tyreek Hill do what he did to him in the last game. That it's going to be to Kelsey's benefit. Well, so I also want to tell the people at home, listen to Benny on Super Bowl bets, especially on the Chiefs, because last year, Benny made me a good chunk of change. I was hanging out with Benny, you know, back when people used to hang out with each other at other people's homes. We were homes. allowed to see each other in public, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we were allowed to hang out with each other in public. And I sat there, and we were placing props for the Super Bowl, and I was selling Benny on my idea to bet a college use check bet. And he's like, okay, you can do that, you psycho, but why don't you look at other things like Damian Williams? And I remember you told me Damian Williams in the same fashion, everything over Damian Williams rushing rushing receiving receptions smashed them all smashed them all exactly like you said and you you were spot on with that so i don't forget that now i did want to talk to you i, I like the kelsey plays i want to talk about the running game here with uh casey and tampa bay because you were spot on last week and ter- or two weeks ago in the nfc championship games about how they're going to split carries between ronald jones and fournette 
Neither, neither of them are great, but you'd prefer Fournette, and Fournette ended up being that guy. In terms of KC, it's a similar setup. I mean, you don't know what you're getting out of Clyde. Lev's supposed to suit up. Daryl Williams there. What are you looking at with these running backs? Do you see anything that kind of stands out, and are you buying playoff Lenny? Um, There's a lot of questions there. Let's start on one it's, side. It's loaded. It's loaded. Yeah, there's too many running backs. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> there's too many running backs is the issue. That's why there's yeah. – I have no idea what to do with this backfield. So I'm them. thinking – I mean, here's here's the way I'm thinking. Let's start with the KC side of it, right? Like, yeah. what do we really know about the KC running game? And that's the things that you want to try to bet on. It's like, what do you really know? And honestly, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't know anything. Like, I really don't know how that's going to work out. What I'm looking at here, I think it's going to wind up being a split with Darrell Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire handling the most work. What I did like last week out of Darrell Williams, even with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire playing, or at least, you know, being in there a little bit, he didn't play, like, as much as he did earlier in the year. But he he was suited up. He was playing. You still saw Darrell Williams as the guy down near the goal line, right? So – if you're going to look at anything there, like a Darrell Williams anytime touchdown, it's probably the only thing I really like with these running backs. I mean, you have – I think they're both projected for somewhere, depending on what site you're looking. And, again, things are all over the place, so definitely shop around for the Super Bowl. But you're looking at like six to ten carries for both of these guys is kind of the projection and the number that we're seeing in a lot of spots. You're looking at like 30 or 40 yards rushing for both of these guys. Like, I don't really want to touch either one of these numbers because I could see. I honestly see the game ending with like both of them getting exactly in those ranges, like six to 10 catch, uh, six to 10 t- carries for 30 to 40 yards. Like, you know, maybe one of them breaks one, but I mean, I don't know which one is going to break one. Like you're, you're basically rolling the dice. If you're thinking one of these guys is going to break a 30 yard run or something during the game and completely outscore the other guy. I mean, if I had to bet, it would be Clyde Edwards Hilaire who probably has the better chance to break a big one, but I'm not really confident that's going to happen. Like, I, I don't really think that that's the way it's going to go. So really the only thing I'm interested on the Kansas City side is, um, you know, Darrell Williams to score a touchdown. Because if they do get in the red zone, I do think he's the guy that's going to be out there. And, you know, that's probably about it on the KC side. On the Tampa Bay side, I do have a little bit of faith in Lenny as well, though, man. I think Lenny anytime touchdown is plus 120. I don't hate that. Um, there's a whole bunch of like profit boosts that are out there and, you know, not bet online, but like a various other sites, there's a whole bunch of profit boosts out there yeah. for money to have the first touchdown at like plus a thousand or better. Like, you know, I, I don't hate that. Like I think he's 1200 or something like that, which gives him like an 8% chance to score it. I think there's a one in one in 10 chance that he scores the first touchdown. So there's a little bit of value there. Um, those are the things that I'm looking at there. I have no, I will say this. I have. I am not betting any overs or have any faith in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I am not betting any overs, and I don't have any faith in Ronald Jones. I don't really want to take a ton of rushing yards for any of these guys because I feel like both teams are going to be split backfield situations. Like, we we don't have a, a bell cow back here. It's, it's not like there's a Christian McCaffrey who's going to get 20 carries and 10 catches in this game. Like, at most, yeah. one of these guys may get 15 touches. And honestly, I think that's at most, and that would be if, either one of these teams happens to jump out to a big lead and they're kind of milking the clock late in the game. Otherwise, I think this is a game where you get four running backs that all see about 10 total touches because all these guys could get a pass or two here. Um, you know, I would be more inclined to play overs on the Tampa Bay guys because, like you said, LaShawn McCoy might be in the mix here too. So maybe he steals some of the passing down work. You know, like that's that's just the way I'm looking at it. So I don't really want to do 
much of anything. If you're doing anything with running backs here, for me, it's touchdown for um, Darrell Williams or a touchdown for Uncle Lenny. That's the only two things I would play. Well, I also want to throw in now, because of your uncertainty in Kansas City, I love this because I told you to prepare yourself for my fullback bet and list it at any time score, plus 2,200, my guy Anthony Sherman. Just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle. So here's, a little. Here's, a better one. here's a better one. If you really want to take a shot, you really want to take a shot on something that I, I actually think could happen that's like the long shot play of the day here is Cameron Brait first touchdown at plus 22 or plus 24 is something that I've been seeing out there. I already yeah. put a little bit of money on that. You know, you can uh, you can throw a hundred dollars on that one and win two or three G's on that bet. And there's all kinds of bonuses and stuff around the industry that you could throw in there to to, to juice it up as well. Um, but Cameron Braid is a guy like I know everybody likes Rob Gronkowski, but dude, Gronk like Gronk just doesn't have it anymore. You know what I mean? And and I hate to say that because I've loved this guy for the longest time. Like I've always been a big Gronk fan. He was one of the most dominant and unstoppable players in uh, in the NFL for a really really long time. But he's at the end of his career right now, and I just don't see him being the guy that's going to be able to go out there and get anything done. You have so many other guys. You got you got your Godwin, you got your you know your Mike Evans, your Uncle Lenny, like you know all these other guys that people are talking about. Nobody's really talking about Cameron Bray. If you're Kansas City, you're probably going to wind up trying to trying to you know double those, keep those safeties wide to, to take away those receivers on the outside. That's going to leave the middle of the field open. So a guy like Cameron Bray for first touchdown at twenty two hundred. I think there's value there because I think that number should be more like 14 or 15. So I want to kind of trend off props and get more broad here for a second. And just because we're talking about all these people potentially scoring and kind of how we expect the landscape of this game to go. We even talked about how the running backs aren't really in it. The over under here, and we'll set the line here. Kansas City is the three point favorite. Like we touched on Tampa mm -hmm. Bay won't be home for those of you who didn't know that yet. Over under is at 56, pretty high for a Super Bowl. 56 points, a lot of points. Do you see it trending in that direction? Do you see this kind of being a high score shootout? Again, the last time these two teams played 27, 24, the chiefs had a barn burner in the first half and then slowed it down in the second half. So how do you see this game kind of forecasting? Yeah, I usually, I like the unders in Super Bowls. The unders tend to come in more than the overs, especially first half unders, because again, think about the way, the way this game goes over is that is exactly the way Kansas city game went last week is you know, they give up an early score, and then they have some kind of disastrous play like McCall Hardman fumbling a, a kick and, you know, giving the other team the ball inside the 10-yard line for a chance to score a second time. That's the only way I see this game going over is, like, Kansas City dropping down two touchdowns early and then basically it just being like, all right, Patrick Mahomes has to throw the ball 40 times now. Like, that's the only way I see this game going over. And a lot of times in the Super Bowl what happens is you don't want to be the team that makes the first mistake, right? Like, you know – Turnovers are the biggest predictor of who's going to win or lose football games. You win the turnover battle, you tend to win. I think, again, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, but it's over 85% of the time that you win the turnover battle, you win the football game. It's it's very rare that you lose the turnover battle and you wind up winning the game. So both of these teams are going to be a little more conservative early because they don't want to be the team that makes the first big mistake. You know, you don't want to be the quarterback that throws the pick six and then has to you know, play from behind and make your team one-dimensional and all that. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to take shots down the field or that these offenses are not going to be able to move the ball. Like, we know that's going to be able to happen. But usually you see the game open up in the second half and, and the first half being a little bit more behind. So I always like playing unders in the Super Bowl to begin with, and I really like playing first half unders in the Super Bowl. First quarter, mm -hmm. first half, all those derivative bets in the first half are ones that I'm going to be interested in there. 
Um, and like I said, you know, Super Bowl games do tend to go to the under anyway. So that's really the way that I would be leaning or playing this game. Anything you're thinking of, any of the bets you can have, you probably want to be on the under of them. So I just wanted to touch on a few things here. So now if it trended in the under direction in the first half, either side here for first scores, I just wanted to go through some of the bets here on Bet Online. Uh, mm. Kansas City field goal for the first score plus 400. Tampa Bay field goal first scores plus 500. Then we talked about those KC or uh, Tampa Bay passing touchdowns, either Cameron Brake, Kelsey, just a general passing touchdown, first touchdown for KC plus 225 and for Tampa Bay 275. Not too bad. Here's something I'm looking forward to seeing. And you mentioned his name and someone I think who might just carry the momentum into this week is McCole Hardman. I think he's a little wild card this week. I don't love Tampa Bay special teams. I do love KC special teams, and I know he's a big part of that. Now, whether or not he actually gets a punt return is beyond me. But if you're wondering, at Bet Online, plus 900 is for that punt return. A kick return, very rare. I've only seen a handful of those in my lifetime. It's plus mm-hmm. 1,000, and that's for either side in general. So keep note of that. But for Nicole Hardman, anytime scorer, and that was the bet I wanted to lay, plus 220. I, I think he's going to. Again, so so hear me out on this. So you mentioned a lot yeah. of the, the man coverage that they played. Now, I know Tyreek Hill is going to go in the slot. I think he's going to be used in motion a lot to draw some linebackers off him. You got to bracket Kelsey. If there's one guy going to be left in one-on-one coverage, and I know Watson's back, but I'm not or, – or Watkins is back, and I'm not buying mm-hmm. that narrative a little too much. I think McCole Hardman just becomes that guy who's kind of forgotten about. And so I'm not laying the wood on it. And, again, guys, bet responsibly this weekend. Um but I didn't see that too bad. Again, they fed him the ball last week or, or in the AFC Championship game. They did that because he fumbled and they wanted him to shake out of his shit. Sure. But I don't know. I, I see him drawing the one-on-one coverage. I can't see them switching drastically. I know the, they'll have to play zone if they want to stand a chance defensively. But I just know the way the Chiefs play, and they're going to isolate McCole Hardman. So if it's not Tyreek Hill going for 200, someone's going to be gashing him down the field. And I like Hardman, and I like his chances to maybe break a punt here so you kind of get a double dip there. He'll be on the field uh, more often than not. Yeah, I mean, if you're somebody who plays DFS, I like him a lot if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs defense and him together on like a DFS lineup. Because if he does run one back, a kick or a punt, you get those, you know, that double dip points that you're mentioning there. As far as betting on him, though, like, I think that number, you know, again, there's, you get a wide, there's certain things that are in very tight spreads. If you look at all the different sports books that are offering bets for the Super Bowl here, mm-hmm. Nicole Hardman to score a touchdown is one that has a very wide spread. So what I mean by that, when I say a wide spread is there are places that are giving you plus 200 on that number. There are places that are giving you plus 300 on that number. Yeah. And I always want to be towards the higher end of it if I'm taking it. So bet online doesn't have the best number on that. And that's not knocking bet online because I agree with you. I actually like this bet, but I don't want to take it at 220 when I know there are other places that I could get it for more right there. But I do think it's sharp by bet online to put it at 220 because I feel like this is one that could pay off. Listen, you got to figure if you're, you know, just even if you're not a big football guy, right? If you're somebody who's looking at this Kansas City team and you're saying, man, I'm a defensive coordinator. I have to figure out how to slow or stop these guys. Who are the guys that you're the most afraid of? For me, it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So -hmm. that's going to mean that those other guys are the ones, especially in the Super Bowl, and especially if you're dropping a bet to try to make some money. Because the two shortest-priced guys to score are Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I don't know what they are on BetOnline. I didn't look before we came on. But 
in most places, those guys are like minus 120. There's no positive odd on that. I yeah, mean, most, both minus, you know, which means that they're both more than a 50. There's a more than a 50% chance that those guys score, or at least the odds are that there's more than a 50% chance that those guys score. You're not going to make money betting that, you know, you're not, again, if you're somebody who's trying to grind out a profit on the Super Bowl and just like kind of do it that way, that's fine. But a lot of people that are betting the Super Bowl, and this is something that I, I try to stress to people is like, you know, I am somebody you mentioned too, like you want to be responsible better and all that stuff. Most of the season, I 100% agree with you, right? Like I'm trying to make reasonable bets based on numbers, backed in facts, backed up by back testing that shows that these things are going to be profitable over the long term. In the Super Bowl, though, I don't think that's the way most people are looking at it. Most people are no, like, man. you know what, man, Benny, give me something where I can make a score. So if you're looking to make a score, things like a Sammy Watkins touchdown and McCole Hardman touchdown, like, you know, a Scotty Miller touchdown on the other side of the game, like these are the things that are going to get you that two, three, four, five to one kind of payout on it. If you're looking to take a hundred bucks and turn it into, you know, a couple hundred bucks, or you're taking a thousand dollars looking to turn it into, you know, the down payment on your next car or something like that. You're not going to get that by betting on Tyreek Hill to score a touchdown in this game or Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown in this game. You're going to have to find something that is not super likely to happen. But like you said, that you can make a case for it happening. And I yeah. think the case that you can make here is that somebody other than Kelsey and or Tyreek Hill is going to wind up in one-on-one -on -one situations like Watkins, McCall Hardman, all game long because they're going to be so concentrating on stopping the guys that they have to stop in order to really slow down this high-powered offense. So a guy that I was very surprised, and I'm glad that it kind of went into this uh, segue here, that is amongst the top of the group there that I thought would be towards the positive side, but I guess because of his in uh, inconsistency, he isn't, is Mike Evans. Mike Evans plus 110, not drastically different, but again, there's about three, four players there that are above that number. I mean, you're going to get something on that, and he scored two the last time they played, or he got really damn close from what I remember. And so I was looking at some things. If you want to take a shot here, Mike Evans for me in this matchup is interesting. I've rode the Godwin train pretty much the entire postseason. I think we talked about this the last time we were on. This is a game where, and I talked about it earlier in my other segment of this show, is if the Bucks stand a chance, for me, this is a Mike Evans got to put his nuts on the table type of game. That's when the Bucks are at their best. When he's being elite and dominant, you saw it in the Packers game. He got going early. And so I think Mike Evans has got to score. And if he does it one time and does it early enough, there's a good chance he does it twice. Plus 550 for him to score two touchdowns. Maybe a bit drastic, but plus 110 is sure enough money for me that, again, for a player who I think should be one of those guys that isn't, you know, that is above that 50% mark to score, you're mm -hmm. getting decent odds on it. And I don't think that's a bad bet. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on real quick before we forget about it. Is yeah. Tails never fails, Benny. Tails never fails. That's all I have to say. Tails never fails, Benny. Here's what I'm going to say. All right, so so <laughs> with the Mike Evans thing, and then we'll go on to the other thing because I did want to mention. I knew we'd forget about it. Yeah. So <laughs> the Mike Evans thing is actually interesting to me. I kind of agree with you. I think if Mike Evans, if they're going to win, Mike Evans is going to have to have a big game. But the way that I played it is Mike Evans' first touchdown. Because if you're going to try to establish Mike Evans and have Mike Evans have a big game, like I think they're going to need for, for them to win here, he's – I don't know what he is on bet online, but I got the number at plus 1,100 for him to score first touchdown. 
So that's gone down. I'm just checking here quick, and this is DraftKings in Bet Online show. You could see it everywhere, but he's 900 there. So I'm sure, and I know DraftKings kind of cuts off the top, so maybe we even middle that. And you're looking at plus a thousand, but still 1100 is a really good number. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I play. You guys know how I am. No matter what my bet is, like my bets were in a week ago. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I had these in before. Most of them came out. I think it was like Thursday or Friday of last week, uh, the week before the Super Bowl. So, like, you know, we're doing this on a Wednesday, like. So about a week ago, these numbers came out. I got on them right away because that's where you tend to see the most movement, right? There's only one game. Everybody's looking at the same game. So if you see a number that you like, you got to hit that like as soon as it comes out because eventually everybody's going to get there because <laughs> really there's not a lot of analysis to do this week. You're looking at two teams with, you know, 50-something players and half those guys aren't even guys that get any kind of fantasy stats that you have to look at. So really wasn't all that hard to uh, to do everything. So one of the things I did take was uh, Mike Evans' first touchdown at plus 1,100. I like that a lot. I like him at plus money to score, though. I do think that that's a pretty decent bet there. I wouldn't go all in on it. I wouldn't, like, mortgage the house or, you know, put the rent money on it. But it is something that's decent. You're getting plus 110 on him to score. I, I do like that there. I do think that's a good bet. So let let's get there. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is this coin flip, right? So, yeah, I love it. so Steve, listen, God, I hate when people bet on the coin flip, right? Like, <laughs> well, guys, take out a quarter, flip it a hundred times. It's probably going to end up very close to fifty times on heads, fifty times on tails. If you're paying minus one hundred five or minus one ten, that means that you're basically getting paid out as if it was a a forty nine or forty eight percent chance of happening or something along those lines. You do not want to take a bet. You do not want to take a bet on a fifty fifty proposition that is below plus money. That just defeats the purpose of this. What I will say though is. There are odds boosts and things like that, and a whole bunch of what it was. There, you don't want to know what this was. It was tails. Tails. <laughs> so if you're gonna do something like that, that's fine. I mean, but listen, this is there are there are novelty bets on the Super Bowl that you can beat. And if you have a like if you have a significant other who you're trying to get into either football or gambling that is not into football or gambling, here's a good way to do it for them. Find out who was singing the national anthem and tell them to do the research on how long the over-under on the national anthem is. Because you could probably find that person who sung the national anthem before at some random baseball game or some random other event or whatever. And you see how long it was when they sung at that time. You can look back at like, you know, is this one of those people that, you know, holds there, has like a really good voice and, you know, Mariah Carey and is going to hold the notes really long. And maybe that stretches it out, things like that. These are things that, like, if your girlfriend hates football but is going to be watching the Super Bowl with you, this is a way for you to get your girlfriend into gambling or your significant other into gambling if they're not. And here's the other thing, too, is there are guys who spend literally, like, a week researching this shit. Like, I sit there and look at numbers and try to find, like, inconsistencies. But there are guys who literally are, like, calling their buddy who's a security guard at Tampa Bay Stadium or, like, their niece's brother's nephew's uncle is working, like, you know, the grounds crew over there or something, and will sit there with a stopwatch while he's sweeping up in the stands and time the practice national anthem. This is one of the few times I hate narratives, right? Like, oh, this guy's going to win because it's that's his hometown or his girlfriend's going to be in the stands or blah, blah, blah. I hate all that shit. But this is one of the few times where you actually want to listen to the crowd. You want to listen to people that are like kind of almost talking shit about, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be under because somebody's brother's sister's cousin was there and watched the preliminary stuff like that. 
you could watch the line movement because the line movement, there are sharp guys who are going to put the time in to figure out what is more likely to happen over or under on the national anthem or, you know, what color the Gatorade is going to be. That'll do the research, you know, oh, well, Tampa Bay only drinks orange Gatorade or, you know, Tampa Bay is going to have blue and green Gatorade on their sideline. So there's an edge on the blue or green Gatorade side or something like that. Well, let's stay right there. I'm glad you said that because every year, and I was right the first time I ever did this, blue Gatorade is my dark horse here, plus 650. Look, I think the red is overly favorited. It's too predictable. It's way too predictable. Orange, orange is the chalk from what I heard. Orange was like, orange had taken 50% of the bets or something. Orange, I think, was the answer last year. So I think people are thinking, well, Kansas City had orange last year. If they're going to do it again, it's going to be, you know, if they win again, there's a good chance it might be orange again this year. So orange has been the number. But listen, here's the thing. Like, these are things, like I said, these are what I call novelty bets. Like, there are different types of bets on the Super Bowl. Not, these are novelty bets. Like, these are, you know, these are the kind of bets that, like, they throw in there for the people who don't actually do statistical analysis and don't actually look. Personally, I think if you do some research, you look at some numbers, you're going to find bets that have better chances to win than a lot of these things that are, you know, for lack of a better word, and since it's one of the things we talk about, a lot of these things that are coin flips. Like you're, you're literally just get. This is gambling. This is not. This is not handicapping. This is not betting. This is not like playing your edges and using like you know, the numbers that are out there and available to you to try to find the bet that's mispriced. This is just straight up gambling. Like you're straight up gambling on whether it's going to be heads or tails, because honestly, it's not like, oh, well, the one side of the coin is half a half a pound heavier than the other side. So it's like, no, you're just, you're literally taking a 50-50 proposition and you're trying to put money on one side or the other. Like this is, this is not, this is not what I do. So for me, now, the only way on, any of this bullshit because I don't have any edge on this stuff and it's just straight up gambling. You want to do that? By all means, go ahead, knock yourself out, have fun. Like I said, it's the Super Bowl. This is the one time where I disagree with Steve, where Steve is trying to play disciplines. And I'm telling you guys, it's okay to be a little crazy. It's the last chance you're going to get to bet on football this year. If you want to do stupid shit, you have my permission this week to do stupid shit with all the money that we helped you make this year. Hey, but that's what I was going to say. So, like, it's like it, they're allowed to be stupid. Let them take their 50-50 bets. But they also could, if they lose the coin toss, just challenge all their friends or whoever they're play, watching the Super Bowl with in coin toss bets for the rest of the night and try to make their money back. And that's how you dig yourself into a hole. Well, Two wait, other- wait, wait, hold on, because I want to bring this up because you brought up a really good point here, too. Yeah, like, go ahead. A lot of the sites, a lot of the sites, like, what what does it have heads and tails at on Bet Online? Is it minus 105? Minus 105. Yeah. Yeah. So minus 105 is what most sites have, meaning that if one if you bet one side of it and your friend bets the other side of it, bet online is gonna make a nickel off of one of you guys, right? Like that's that's what minus 105 is. They're taking they're taking juice. So if you really are like Steve, Tails never fails, and then there's somebody else who you're hanging out with on the Super Bowl that loves heads, instead of making this bet on the sports book, just bet your fucking boy. Like take out a hundred, he puts out a hundred. Give it to some chick to hold, and the winner gets the whole 200s at the end. But if you're hanging out and watching the Super Bowl with anyone who likes heads, you need to just get the hell out. Don't even watch the Super Bowl with that guy. You don't need that energy. There's a lot of bets to play. You need guys in the room who know that Tails never fails because it doesn't. It just doesn't, Benny. Okay. So I like said, if, you're somebody, if you're somebody who wants to bet heads and you're listening to this, slide into Steve's DMs and just make the bet straight up because then this way you guys are making it on even money. 
50-50, I'm 100% on board with that. But you do not take something at 105 that's a 50-50 proposition because you're literally just losing the edge of the house. So don't do that. That is that is. I got, I got our ads under the screen if they want to hit me up on that, Taylor's bet. I did want to get back on track with one of my favorite, actually, prop bets of the game here. Mm -hmm. And in positive odds, I'm riding the Shaq Barry train here. And this is something that I have confidence in. As much as I shit on the Bucks secondary, and I think they can't cover anyone to save their lives, I think the icing on the cake here is going to be Shaq Barrett to carry over what he did in Green Bay with his three sacks and do that in this game. Again, taking Mahomes down is no easy task, but they are going to have to shuffle some guys around in the offensive line. I don't think it's going to be drastic. But for Shaq to just get that one sack at plus 120, I'm eating that. I really love that line, and I think he's a good enough player to do it. I know a lot of popular uh, plays that I saw were on JPP, I guess because he has the Giants ties. Yes, and I heard about that, but now I'm with you on it. But for all those reasons, sometimes I just want to look on the other side, and this is crazy, but I've seen it done before with Von Miller. Shaq Barrett to win MVP if you really want to throw a dartboard or a dart at the board, plus 5,000. I mean, I'm taking him with the sack, but I also like as much as everyone was riding the JPP train at plus five thousand. I like Shaq Barrett on the other side of that as well. Tell, so, tell us about JPP, please. Well, yeah, I mean, JPP is just a guy I think most likely to get a sack here because he plays plays inside on passing downs. He plays outside on uh, you know, on like first and second down if they're if they're throwing there. So he moved. They move him around all the time, like you mentioned. The KC offensive line, KC's offensive line has been really banged up this year. I don't know if you remember the beginning of the season. They lost one of their starters from the Super Bowl team last year. Because the fucking guy's an actual doctor and is like helping out like with COVID patients in Canada or something like that. And then they had a couple other injuries along the way here. So, you know, they're playing with a couple backups. They're playing with Mahomes, who, you know, is is on a little bit of a bum ankle anyway. So you might not see him scrambling or, or getting away like he normally does in some of these spots. I mean, I don't think they're gonna get a ton of sacks on him here, but I mean if I, I took JPP because I do think that, you know, he's the guy that's likely to get one. I don't hate the 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 Barrett bet either, though. I mean, that's you know, that's fine by me. Um, I do think that they will get to him once or twice. So I, I actually think that there's a more of a chance that Tampa Bay's offensive line racks up a couple sacks than there is that um, the Kansas City offensive line racks up a couple sacks. Because Tom Brady, one of the things that makes Tom Brady Tom Brady is that Tom Brady doesn't hold the ball. Tom Brady's mm -hmm. going to know exactly where he's going with the ball before he even says hike. He's going to know. He's going to look at – he's going to say, all right, if this guy drops here, the ball's going there. If this guy stays there, the ball's going there. He knows where he wants to go with the ball priest. That's what makes him so good. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're not going to – the guy's been around for 20-something years. You're not going to come up with some kind of defense that he hasn't seen before. You're not going to trick him. You know, they don't have those kind of players on KC that they could really try to do a lot of that stuff with where, you know, they're faking blitzes and dropping back 30 yards to design, you know, to, to disguise a coverage or something like that. Like this – the defense yeah. is not built that way. So I actually think there's more of a chance if you're going to take any of these sacks – I would rather take some of the guys on the Tampa Bay line than I would on the on the Kansas City line to try to get some of these sacks here. And like I said, my favorite is JPP, but you know you can pretty much pick any of those guys that you like up there, and they're all like plus money. I think a lot of them are like plus money for one sack. One thing I want to I want to say, um, because depending on what site you're playing on, you see these things differently, and they're graded very differently. Some sites will have, you know to get a sack, and if he gets half a sack, that doesn't count. Other sites will have, you know, over or under 0.25 sacks or over and under 0.5 sacks where, you know, a half a sack is a push. Like, there's a lot of – the way – the wording of these props is very important. 
So you may look at one on one site and be like, oh, it's paying plus 150 here. But on the other side, it's paying, you know, only minus 110. But a lot of times, like you you really got to think about it and you really got to look and read the way that it's worded. Because there are times where I'm like, oh, I won that prop on the Super Bowl in years past. And then when I go back and you, you wind up fighting with the, the site. And the one good thing about regulated sports books is you actually have a chance to win the fight with a regulated sports book. When yep. you like when we used to bet offshore all the time, when this stuff was with like, you know, some of the more offshore books here, sometimes you get screwed on that stuff where they're just like, nope, you know, they're the offshore books are judge and jury. And if they say no, it doesn't pay, like it's not gonna pay. The onshore books, the you know, like the the points bets, the DraftKings, the books that are that are in the regulated states right now, because there's a regulator on top of them, you theoretically have a you theoretically have somebody that you could argue and complain to. And the books just don't like people complaining and arguing to their regulators because it makes them look bad. So a lot of times if you say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to escalate this. They'll just be like, fine, we'll just pay you anyway. Cause we don't want to deal with the, the hassle of having to go through the whole regulator. dollar winnings. Yeah. yeah most exactly. of like, Here's your hundred bucks. Fine. Great. Go, go take it. So just keep that in mind that like really, really read, know exactly what you're betting on. And, you know, read the rules of whatever sports book you're betting at to make sure that, you know, pushes pay and, that, you know, things along those lines. Because there's a lot of people that think they win Super Bowl bets and then afterwards they're like, wait, I thought this or I thought that. And, you know, just 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 a public service announcement for everybody out there. Well, no, that's a good public service announcement because uh, you definitely want to check your books, understand the rules and see what's up. Because if he just gets half a sack, which is definitely possible in the NFL, you want to know how mm -hmm. that kind of works itself out. So make sure you take care of your chickens. I just wanted to touch on one more prop bet before I kind of round off. I guess there's one more on what I'm going to do for my score prediction. And they kind of heard my score prediction earlier in this show, but I do still have that bet alive on the bucks to win it all. And so as a result, if the bucks win it all, I do assume they're going to give the MVP trophy to the quarterback. Now, if you wanted to bet on Pat Mahomes, that is someone who is in the positive odds um, or, you know, over 50% is what I mean by that. And, um, you know, you can't really – he's favorited. You can't really get anything out of that. However, on the other side of things, Tom Brady is at plus 210 in, in, in what I have. I'm sure you can get it somewhere better. But just for someone who has the futures on the Bucks, if they're going to win, I'd like to think the quarterback's probably going to get the trophy, which is at what happens most of the time. And he didn't win it the last Super Bowl he won. Julian Edelman got it. So I don't think that's a halfway bad bet if you're someone like me who has some money backing the Bucks, So it's something to consider. And, you know, again, two to your, you know, times two to your money. So why not? Benny, let's get to the game, though. Okay. Where do you see this going? What do you think is going on? Um, and who do you see winning? I have Kansas City winning in a game that is lower scoring. So, for me, when I'm betting, here's what I'll say. You may agree with me. You may disagree with me. That's perfectly fine. But when you're betting, you should have a narrative in your head of how you think this game is going to go. And you should be betting things that fit that narrative. Like, if you think this is going to be a super high-scoring game, then start betting all these guys to score touchdowns and start, you know, that that should be the way that you attack this, right? If you're like me, though, and you think that this might be a lower-scoring game, like maybe a 20-27-21 or, you know, 24-20 kind of game, which is what I'm thinking it's going to be, mm -hmm. you're probably also thinking that, you know, it's not going to be a game that's played at an incredibly high pace. You're not going to have like seven or eight guys that wind up going over their receiving totals. So unders are something that I'm going to be looking at a little more here. And that's the way that I'm going about it. Whatever your bets are, they should fit some kind of narrative. If you think that Tampa Bay is going to jump out to a big lead 
I think Kansas City is going to have to throw for the rest of the game, then you should be betting Mahomes. You should be betting guys like Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to have a bunch of catches. You should be betting all those pass catchers to have touchdowns. And you should be completely avoiding all of the running backs. If you think Kansas City is going to blow out Tampa Bay in this game, then you should have money on all these rushing yard props. You know, see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire rushing yards because he'll probably end up with the guy, being the guy that has the 15 carries in that case. You should be betting like Darrell Williams touchdowns. You should be betting the unders on a lot of the, you know, rushing game on the Tampa Bay side or vice versa. So you may agree with the way I think this game's going to go. You may disagree with the, the way I think this game's going to go. But whatever way you think this game is going to go, that should be along the lines of all the bets that you're making here. You should have a whole bunch of bets made that if the game works out the way you think it's going to be, if you think it's going to be a shootout, you should be betting all of these guys like receivers, overs, rush, uh, receiving yard overs, reception overs, you know, touchdown overs. If you think it's going to be a grinded out like 17-10 game, which I don't think anybody really thinks, but if that's what you think it's going to be, then you should be on all the overs for these running backs, all of the unders for the passing game. Whatever the narrative is that you think this game's going to go, think about how that affects the bets that you're making. And then one last public service announcement I'm going to make. So a lot of recreational bettors bet the Super Bowl. Random people who just haven't bet all season long. My mom's going to be making bets on the Super Bowl. My mom doesn't bet every week like a degenerate like I do, you know? some Your, your cousin who doesn't even like sports but is – well, actually – Maybe not this year because it's not like he's going to be at your house for the <laughs> party. But you know what I'm saying? Like you have those friends who are like casual sports fans and, and not really betters. They're all betting on the Super Bowl this year. I actually think we may have more people betting on the Super Bowl because it's a lot easier to do now in America, in this country, with all these states that are becoming legal. And also because what the fuck else are you doing? Everybody's home anyway, whether the snow like we got here or whether the COVID thing is keeping you in. Like it's not like everyone's going out to party. So I think there will be a lot of money bet on the Super Bowl. The the retail guy, the like regular Joe who is betting for the first time or who isn't a big better, they always bet the overs. They're going to bet the over on the score. They're going to bet the overs on every single one of these props here. They're going to bet on the guys who they know. So you're going to have like Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, the names that like that the average person who's not a big sports fan, not a big football fan, the names that they know are all going to wind up being over bet. So that's why I said you look at the secondary pieces, you know, maybe like a Darrell Williams, who the average sports fan probably doesn't know who that is. You know, you look at guys like a Sammy Watkins, a Michael Hardman, you know, a Scotty Miller, who's been such a big part of that team all year long. But if you ask people, oh, who are the receivers for Tampa Bay? I'm betting Mike Evans touchdown. Like, that's what everybody's betting, right? But nobody's talking about Scotty Miller, who seems to score a touchdown all the damn time. Because, again, if you're Kansas City, you're the defensive coordinator for Kansas City. Who are you looking to stop? Oh, man, we got to make sure we take Godwin out of the slot. We got to make sure we have a guy over the top so that Evans doesn't beat us on the outside. Well, that leaves guys like Cameron Brait, Scotty Miller, in one-on-one situations where they can go and get them touchdowns. So I think the thing that you really want to do is avoid, especially the closer it gets to the game, because a lot of those numbers, you're going to start seeing a lot of these numbers creeping up, or you're going to see a lot of the payouts on those numbers start creeping down. Minus 120s become minus 130s. You know, uh, even money's become minus 110s. Guys that had like a 40-yard prop are now at 44 or 45 before the game starts. You start seeing a lot of this stuff move in the direction of the over because everybody's betting overs. So the later you wait, like if you're going to wait till Sunday to start making bets, you could probably be profitable on Sunday 
tried betting nothing but unders. Waiting till the last minute and betting nothing but unders, you're probably going to walk away with a profit on all those bets that you make because they're all going to be a little bit juiced up from the public taking all those overs throughout the week because the public never bets unders, ever, 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 and ever. you don't wait all year to bet the Super Bowl to bet the under. If you waited all year to bet the Super Bowl, you're not betting the under. That just – it doesn't it, – as broad of a statement as that is, it's just, it's what it is. There's no and that's way. exactly why the under is always such a good bet in the Super Bowl because the number always winds up more inflated than it would be if it was a random week 13 game. Yep. And that's the way, and that's the reason. That's what, that's what I'm saying. They, they go hand in hand. So if you're going to wait till Sunday to bet and you're going to bet any overs, you're a moron. Just keep that in mind. If you're betting on Sunday, you should be just smashing the under button on everything that you're betting. No, that's really smart. And if you're going to bet the overs, probably do that now before the lines juice. If you're going to bet the overs, you should have done that last Thursday when they came out, like I said. (laughs) Very true. Well, I mean, we did advise them, though, to look at all those Kelsey overs, and I do think that's a good bet, too. So, I mean, maybe you could still get some decent odds there, depending on where they're at and where you find them. But my score prediction earlier in the show, I kind of flip-flopped it, but it does play towards the under. I do see some points being scored here. I got KC 30 and Tampa Bay 24 is where I'm at. And now to match that, and the last prop I do have here is the Kansas City Chiefs to win between one and six points at plus 250. So that's just kind of where I'm sitting at on the line with it. I'm going to try to, you know, get some money out of that and try to put my money where my mouth is. And I get the nice range there that I do cover where the field goal number is. And then I get up to the six points for whatever reason, I don't see it being seven and I'm just going to take the six. So that's where I'm at with it. And, um, well, how many, I times, wanted- I mean, listen, how many times have we talked this season about Kansas city's record against the spread because their defense is kind of, kind of shoddy. And at the mm-hmm. end of the games, they give up a lot of late touchdowns because they can't stop people. And if they're losing their offense is so good that like, again, it'd be two minutes left in a game. Patrick Mahomes has the ball in his hand. They could be down four. I still expect Kansas City to score and win, as do most other people. So the one to six is actually a really good bet. That's actually something I was looking at too. Um, I didn't take it. I, I ultimately wound up not playing it at all. But again, if you like the under, it's another reason why the spread should be a little more consolidated. And then on top of that, the reason why they had lost eight or nine games in a row against the spread is because it's again they were winning all those games. They finished fourteen and two, but they were winning by three. They were winning by five. They were winning by two. By four. You know, they weren't blowing teams out by two or three touchdowns. So I don't hate that bet. I like that the one to six. Yeah. And so I just wanted to wrap up here with some of the other bets we had. We like the Kelsey overs. We were on Mike Evans. I really like that Mike Evans bet. I'm playing Shaq Barrett. Tails never fails. And I believe we were on Cameron Bray. We we I do like that Cameron Bray bet. I might do any time score just to kind of get something out of it because I do feel you could probably still get good odds. I don't have those odds in front of me, but that does sound like a good bet. Oh, and McCole Hardman. I did say McCole Hardman. Yeah. Um, but I, try like, that. I like the I like the the Tampa Bay guys you're getting the value on the first touchdown is all on the Tampa Bay side. Mm-hmm. It's it's Mike Evans is like plus like I said what's he now plus nine hundred I mean again I got him at eleven I don't know what he's at now nine yeah so it was nine hundred on the quick yeah. ticket draft Uncle Uncle Lenny's about a thousand right he's like yeah 1, yeah definitely definitely close I think to those it are the two shortest odds like you know Godwin is like twelve or thirteen hundred somewhere around there is where I've been seeing him this week um like I said Cameron Braid is twenty two or twenty three hundred if you're looking to get a home run. That's four guys who are probably four of the most likely guys to score for Tampa Bay. And each one of them is at least 10 to one or greater. So, I mean, if you're looking to make a home run, that's the way to go. And again, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to win the game. Like I said, I'm on the Kansas city side, but that doesn't mean Tampa Bay can't score first. Like that's, you know, 
I, I feel like actually, I was going to say that's what the Chiefs want. That's what the Chiefs probably want. They want Tampa Bay to score first, and that's what they thrive off of. They kind of they're the team that likes being behind. So don't yeah. be surprised. The Bills scored first too. The Bills were up nine nothing last the, the last game. So no, you're right. I, I think you're onto that. I'm interested to see why though. Why all those bucks? I mean, I think they expect the Chiefs to get the ball first to probably score right away. I mean, I guess or just no, it, 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 always, everything. All of those bets. So quick gambling thing here. Like all of those bets are all derivatives of the spread, right? So whenever one team is favored, the guys on that team are going to be expected to score first, to score more often, to, you know, to have more receiving, to have more rushing yards, to have more offense total. total. So you're always going to see the team that is favored is the team Vegas expects to win. You're always going to see those numbers be lower because, again, if they're favored to win, you're expecting that they're going to score more. If they're expected to score more, there's a better chance that they're going to score first. If there's a better chance they're going to score first, they're going to give you worse odds on that stuff. And that's what I'm saying is when you – the Super Bowl is not the time to play the chalk. The Super Bowl is the time when teams try to do something a little different than what they normally do because the guys on Kansas City, the coaching staff on Kansas City, has been sitting there watching every single Tampa Bay game for the last two weeks. And the coaching staff on Tampa Bay has been sitting there watching every single KC game for the last two weeks. So you're not going to run a play that you run all the time that the other team is not going to know or hasn't practiced or at least like had an idea to sit around and say, hey, if we see them run, you know, trips left with uh, with the tight end to the right, here are the things that they usually run when that happens. If you see them run like an empty backfield, when they go empty backfield, here's what they're usually trying to do. If you're going to do stuff that you did during the season, teams are going to be prepared for that. That's why we see the Philly special. That's why we see – like, you know, the, the end-around home run pass for, you know, for a touchdown. That's why you usually see this crazy shit that happens in the Super Bowl. So one thing I'm going to throw out there, Steve, that I love for everybody out there, I love the idea of more than two-and-a-half guys throwing a pass in this game. Oh, I love those bets. I was about to say, I might go QBs to score. You're getting me going. I got to go QBs. QB, QB, QB rushing touchdowns. Like, oh, yeah. Look, listen, if Tom Brady – if the ball's oh, yeah. on one-yard line, you think Tom Brady's not sneaking it in? He's not giving it to Uncle Lenny. He's gonna he's no. gonna he's gonna hit his uh, his center in the ass, and he's gonna go right over right. the in between him and the guard and try to sneak his way into the end zone. So you know, I think there's more of a chance Tom Brady. I like Tom Brady to score a touchdown more than I like Patrick Mahomes to score a touchdown. Which most people are gonna be like, Tom Brady's old and slow and unathletic, and I'm gonna be like, Yeah, you're right. But you know what? Tom Brady's really really good at sneaking the football from the one yard line. So I could see that happening. Mahomes is a little banged up. He's on a bum wheel. He's coming off that whiplash concussion thing that held him out for a little bit in that last game. I honestly would rather bet a Tom Brady rushing touchdown than a Patrick Mahomes rushing touchdown. Off what you said, though, I actually bet that last year, and I didn't bet it yet, but that's something I tend to always like to do because last year I was a big fan of Debo Samuel throwing a pass, which he actually screwed me out of at first and then ended up attempting another pass, if I remember correctly. He pump faked. Um, I love that bet last year. I'll have to look at it this year. I want to look into it a little bit because I'm not sure the Chiefs would be more reluctant to run the fake. I can't really see the Bucks run the fake, but I guess maybe that's the element of surprise. Maybe that's what they pull out. Look, I think if the Bucks at the time you do the Super Bowl is the time when people tend to bring some of this crazy stuff out and you know let it go. Yeah, I think if the Bucks are going to win though, and I talked about this earlier, it's going to have to be a come from behind effort. I, I just I don't see how. Because even watching last year and the 49ers, even if they replicated 
what they did and that recipe for success. I mean, again, I don't see them winning really in, in, in any reality, but as someone who's backing them, I'm trying to figure mm. out the scenario where they can. And I just see it. It's got to be Brady magic. It's got to be a come from behind Brady magic thing. And I don't know if he's got it, but I guess you don't bet against Tom Brady. I think that's something we've learned. You got to be careful betting against Tom Brady. So well, here, I mean, here's the one thing I'll throw out there for anybody to go along with, with what you're saying right here is I think Tampa Bay's defense is good enough to slow down Kansas City. You ain't going to stop Kansas City, but to slow down Kansas City. I don't know if Kansas City's defense is good enough to slow down anybody. Like they, they're, if they win the Super Bowl, most of the time, the team with the better offense or the team that's like the higher rated offense tends to lose the Super Bowl to the teams that have higher rated defenses when, you know, one team's defense is higher than the other, but the offense is there. I think it was like nine times in a row it happened before last year where Kansas City was the higher rated offense and the lower rated defense and they wound up winning. So maybe Kansas City is the team that bucks the trend overall. But for the most part, if you go back in Super Bowls past and teams that have won, I mean, dating back to when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl against the greatest show on turf, their offense was not better than that Kurt Warner Rams offense. <laughs> but the defense for the Patriots was way better than the Rams defense. Defenses tend to show up more in the Super Bowl than offenses do. That doesn't mean that a good offense can't carry their team to victory. We saw Kansas City do that last year. So, again, they're more the exception than any other team to the rule. But going back and looking at history, the team with the better defense tends to be the one who wins the game more often, and that is Tampa Bay this year. Well, defense wins championships. To sum it up very quickly, defense wins championships, and now we're thinking. Uh, I'm still indifferent on this game. I just don't see a reality where the Chiefs don't win this. And, again, I think it's because I look at it on paper. They check every box. They're kind of the outlier from last year. Again, I I love what the Bucks defense has going, but the 49ers defense, I think, was better. And they took care of that. So we'll see. And KC seasoned. As much as Brady seasoned, uh, the rest of that team really isn't. Uh, I mean, Gronk, but still. So a lot of, a lot of what could be is on the Bucks, but the Chiefs have been there before. So, and I love their coaching staff. I love Eric Bieniemy. I was talking about that earlier in the show. You Shame know my that. feelings. You know my feelings on him. I'm not upset about Salava. You know my feelings on him. Well, that and that's the thing, and I touched on it with uh, Campy when he was on the show earlier. It was just that, like, I'm not mad at the Jets. Like, Sala was, like, the 1A to the 1B of the enemy, but the fact that those were the Jets 1-2 and then no one else got him was just like, how did the, how the hell did that happen? And well, you hear him speak, you see what he can do, it's just crazy. I'm not, again, I won money on him when he was a running back at Colorado in college, which definitely dates myself for anybody else who remembers that out there. But, uh, you know. I, I've always been an Eric Bieniemy fan, so I'm I'm hoping that he ends up somewhere good. And honestly, though, I want to see him go somewhere where they have a nice offense that his offensive mind can actually put up some numbers with. And like, yeah, I want to see him go to like an underperforming offense and finally be the thing that unlocks the potential of whatever that team is. Because I do think he's an amazing offensive mind. I think he's going to be a great coach. And th- you know what? I, like anything, the thing you know, the thing that I love about him is that his players love him. And if I know nothing else about a guy who's a coach, if your players love you and you win football games, that tells me everything I need to know about you because guys will run through walls for a coach who they love and trust. Guys will literally put no trade clauses to New England in their contract like Matt Stafford did if you hate the guy who's going to be coaching over there. So that's how big a deal it is to have a guy that, you know, the players love and trust and, you know, want to play for. And Eric Bieniemy is definitely one of those guys. 
Yeah, he's a wizard, and him with Andy Reid is awesome. And shout out to my guy Spags. And I think that's why I'm back in the Chiefs deep down at my core because I love Spags and I love what he can do against Brady. But Benny, is there anything you need me to plug here? I follow him at Benny R11. I put it on the bottom of the screen. What do you have going on? Is there anything that people need to know about? Um, so let's see. If you go over to FTN, we have a Super Bowl guide. It's actually pretty cheap. It's only 20 bucks. Um, basically what we did is we took all the articles that each one of our guys writes for both daily and betting throughout the season, and we put it all together in one guide. So rather than sign up for like, you know, a package for the entire year, if you were just interested to see what kind of stuff we produce over there at FTN, go ahead and buy the Super Bowl guide. You'll get all the stuff you get, uh, you know, all these guys, I'm, I'm honestly one of the poorest guys that I work with, and I'm more successful than most of you guys out there. So that'll tell you how good some of these guys are at, uh, you know, gambling and DFS and, and all that stuff that they put out there. Um, you can check out all my stuff over at FTN Network for NBA. You go over to our YouTube channel, FTN Network. Uh, a couple days a week, you get my props for free. The rest of the time, if you want them, they're all behind the paywall at FTN Bet. You can go over there along with uh, – a half a dozen other guys. We got college basketball experts. We got NBA experts. You know, we basically tried to go out and hire some of the smartest guys in every one of the different sports going on right now. Guys that have proven track records of betting and solid, you know, processes to get them there. Not just, you know, throwing darts and making picks guys that are, you know, using deep analytical thought and, and you know, putting some actual, some actual work into, uh, to get the stuff that they have there. And I think the results speak for themselves. You guys can see one of the best things we did, we put in something called the bet tracker. Every bet that I make is tracked. So you guys can see how, how I've won, how I've lost, what sports I've won in, what sports I've lost in, you know, how many units I've, I'm up or down, how many bets I've made in each one of those sports. Because to me, if you're going to be in this space and you're going to, you know, you're going to have a long-term track record and success in this space, it's really all about accountability. When we win, we win together. Everybody who knows me knows whatever bets I talk about. I probably already bet them before I talked about them in here. And, um, you know, if you guys have a good weekend following my bets, I probably also had a good weekend following my bets and vice versa. If you guys had a crappy weekend and we lost a bunch of money, you know what? I probably lost a lot more than you did, so don't worry about it. Don't feel bad. Yeah, well, we had a really good year, and that's all that matters. Benny, I'm sad to say this. I think this is the last football game, unless I'm forgetting one. Unless we're betting on, oh no, the I'm AFL. Not, I'm not doing good. Pro Bowl. So if you call me next week to come talk Pro Bowl betting, you're on Pro your fucking <laughs> They played Madden. I thought the Pro Bowl happened. But oh, was, that Matt, was that what that was? I was trying to figure out what that whole Madden thing. Is that what that was? That was the, yeah, that was pretty the Pro Bowl. So they did it on Madden. I saw that on TV this weekend. And I'm like, dude, I'm not betting video games. So I just, I turned it right off. Is that what it was? I didn't even realize. I didn't that. even know you could bet it. But yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what the Pro Bowl was. But hey, man, this has been really, really fun. Good luck with the Super Bowl. Um, I'm just going to text you at a random point and just say tails never fails. And hopefully I'm actually right. I think I'll wait for myself to be right. And then just kind of slip it in there for you. I'm gonna say, it's not going to be a random point. It's going to be right before the kickoff and right after they flip it on the commercial break. Yeah. It'll be during the first commercial. It'll be like a Doritos commercial on right now. And, uh, and I'll be getting that text. So I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah. But, uh, thank you again, man. This was really fun guys. Follow our picks. Listen to what we had to say again. We knew what we were talking about all year long. If you followed us and listened to us, you definitely have some money to play with in the postseason and for the Super Bowl. So stick with it. Stick with it. But, Benny, thanks. Enjoy the snow. Enjoy the family. And uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, a big shout-out to Benny for coming on the show. Again, both those discussions were brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Guys, that caps off our Super Show 
check those videos out on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel at Talking Tino. Check out What Do You Shay. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be safe. Stay indoors when you're drinking. Please don't drink and drive. Eat your chicken wings. Over 1.3 billion are going to be eat if you listen to the trivia part of this. So enjoy those. Treat yourself right. Bet on the game. Bet responsibly. Most importantly, guys, thank you for tuning in. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.